0: Citizens of Natstown is brought to you by the ballpark bus. With departure stations at Clydes and Ashburn, glory days in Reston and Herndon, the Green Turtle in Ballston, Sterling and Dulles, and Velocity 5 in Centerville, when you don't want to drive to the ballpark, leave the driving to us. Take the ballpark bus. Visit www.ballparkbus.com for more information or on Twitter at, at ballparkbus. <laughs> All right, Nats fans, uh, we are kind of live. Um, I'm in a different state, so we're recording this, and then we'll put it out. Uh, TJ Landermeyer here. We've got uh, Mr. Matthew Davila. Yes, you do. And Mr. David Huzzard. Hello, Nats town. All right. Uh, the weekend started off all right last weekend, kind of went into a poor week starting now. Uh, the first thing I kind of want to get onto to is uh, – the, the blown save with Hot Rod uh, and the, the fact that Wilson Ramos is having some serious issues blocking the plate. Yeah, that's well, I'm glad a I'm,
1: not the only one, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks that because, I, I, I mean, I'm a firm believer that Ramos has at least per, to this point regressed somewhat. You know? Okay,
0: um, I mean, speaking on that, can I just say I think Adam Kilgore has a, a, a line into my head.
1: Because <laughs> he made that article.
0: Yes, this is like the third yeah, week no. in a row that I've had a big thing of oh, okay, this is you know this is one of the big things we're going to talk about, and his story comes out like an hour before we go on the air. <laughs> mm, kind of psycho
1: like that, yeah. No, I agree.
0: Well, I um, have seen that's happened to me before. I've been thinking.
1: I was, so I was hard. wondering though, like I mean, because you know, Ian Desmond had that situation where he was mediocre on defense, kind of good on offense, and then he had a good uh, defensive season, or a good uh, not-so-great offensive season. I wonder if Ramos is kind of going through the same thing. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, Ramos almost looks like he doesn't want to leave the catcher's box. He, he'll call yeah. for a pitch, and he won't slide out over there to, to stop it, or he's not ready, or he doesn't, have his, he doesn't want to move his feet. I, mean, I, I don't know if...
1: Well, know, it, it's like it's kind of weird to watch because, I mean, he almost just... like That, that first... Pitch by Henry Rodriguez on the game where he was trying to close it out. Um, what was that Monday, yes. Tuesday. Tuesday, or Tuesday? No, Tuesday. It was Tuesday. Yes. But so, yeah, that game is like the first pitch he threw that he didn't block. That one I think is more Ramos's fault. The second one is more. The Henry's second one, he yeah, down the down
2: second deep. one is definitely Henry's fault. That one went
1: somewhere. Yeah, so that one, that one bounced. Well, that one bounced right in front of the plate.
2: That one the bounced over one by bounced. the
1: Pirates' dugout. <laughs>
2: That, that was not, uh, you can't blame Ramos for that one. But the first no, one. I,
1: I, the yeah. first one I think is more Ramos' ball. I, mean, I think the, I mean, real, really...
2: the real problem there that happened was after Ramos called that pitch, he called the second one. And he, mm-hmm. in, in the on-deck circle, Barajas saw this guy has no command of, of the curveball. I don't even have to think about that pitch. I'm sitting fastball. You know, then Barajas was just able to just tee off on the fastball he knew was coming.
1: It's kind of lame knowing that you lost because some guy's just like, I'm going to sit here and we play with the fastball.
2: Well, I mean, that's why you lose sometimes because... I don't
1: know. It's just it's lame, you know. It's just like, God damn it. You know, it's like, he really, uh, like in, in my mind, it's like, you know, he, he really didn't earn that home run. I know he obviously earned it because he hit it, but it's like, I mean, that home run, oddly enough, in my opinion, was all Henry. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, well, you're, it's, it's a, you're you're turning on a 99 mile an hour fastball, and it's just uh, all right. I feel it, like I feel like if you had a whipple ball bat, you
2: could have hit that <laughs> that park. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was a location mistake by Henry, and probably you know. I mean, since they knew Ramos should have known that Barajas knew that he was going to get a fastball, and that he wanted to swing, so he should have called for a fastball high up. You know, yeah. let her high. Say, all right, you want to sling? Sling under it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Just call for three well, of those in a row and see if he can get them out swinging.
1: I think, that's, I think that's kind of what he was trying to do, though. I mean, I, didn't, I don't remember uh, Ramos's glove location, but I think it might have been high. I don't remember, but I haven't looked back at it. I, I, half of me refuses to believe it ever happened.
0: Yeah, I mean... Uh... The main point here is that uh, the blame's got to go both ways. I mean, obviously (laughs) missed a spot and couldn't, you know, find his ass with both hands. Um, Yeah. But, I mean, Ramos has got to block some of those. And he's had the issue. uh, He had the issue in L.A. um, Yeah. And it's not just with uh, Rodriguez that he's had the problem. I mean... It's it's had with with Detweiler last night. Yeah, I mean, he's
1: had yeah, it with other pitchers. Yeah, that wild pitch by Detweiler, I was like, are
2: you kidding? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just, you know, it's a, it's a problem, and they've got to work on it with Ramos. And it, Apparently they worked on it today. I mean, the way you work on it is you just throw balls in the dirt to them and just say, well, work right. on it. I mean, it's yeah, kind of right. something they should probably do with – I mean, maybe they should have Espinosa stand in the batter's box, too, since he likes to swing at those while they're working with Ramos just say, Danny, yell out what type of pitch we're throwing, and Ramos, block it. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the
1: thing that annoys me is, like, I make a, you can make a criticism of a player, and everybody thinks you hate him. It's not the case. <laughs> you know?
2: I mean, there's a difference between critiquing a guy and criticizing him. I think what we're doing more is critiquing people, because right. we want to see the players succeed. Uh, you know, we don't want to see them fail, but some people get on there and, oh, you got to sit Espinoza right now. You know, he should never play another yeah. another game. And and, and that, that's um that's that's it. And uh, just now in the game, Jose Tabas saw his second pitch of the game and got the Pirates' second hit. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he's the only one that can hit Strasburg, and apparently Strasburg doesn't respect him very much, but he's thrown him two fastballs right down the middle.
0: But he's obviously a bad hitter because he's swinging at the first pitch, right?
2: Yeah, I think you know that's that's a line of thinking that, that that people need to get rid of because you think about what the at bat is, and they say that you're gonna get one good pitch in at bat to hit, mm-hmm. and if that pitch comes on the first pitch and you don't swing at it, that's a strike that's looking, just,
1: and then now you're in the hole. On this play by Ramos right here, that was pretty good.
2: Okay, I didn't see it because I'm sitting in front of a computer watching Blue Dots.
0: Yeah, I can't see this he, right now.
1: He bounced, You uh, didn't see it Dave? why are not you, why, what the hell. Uh, anyway, he, uh was like
2: a... Sacrifice I, Blunt, I see it, okay. It
1: sacrifice Blunt, and he bounced right in front of the player around this one, right? And got it, and threw him out at first, and it was pretty smooth looking. wasn't, you know, all-star caliber type play, but it was a good fundamental play, yeah. <laughs>
2: That sounds exciting. But I think we should go back and we should talk about Natitude Park. I agree. The the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, So what did you think about the whole promotion, take back the park? Did it work?
1: Natitude Park. I enjoyed how much it annoyed everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That was my favorite part because everybody's complaining about it. I'm like, I don't care. If you go in the same places... Well, the difference is they got this stupid little sign over everything. Okay, cool. I'm I'm down with it. Yeah, that's and my it, opinion.
2: They, uh, you know, they had um, lots of. It, it was, it was a much better environment than I think that the Phillies National Series have been in the past, because they oh, did they did keep out a good number of Phillies fans. Yeah, um, and
1: the ones that were there were quiet. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, for the most part, they did uh, cheer when Worth was hurt. But um, we should get to that after. But let's uh, you know, Friday's na- Friday night's game. That was a uh, that was a pretty good game. A long game. Yeah, was, was yeah. one.
1: Yeah, but I mean, there, there was there was lots of times in that game where I was uh, waiting for something to happen, and there was lots of times in that game where I was like, "This is where it's gonna end. This is where it's gonna it was, you know, bases loaded, Ramos at the end." there. I mean. You just got to kind of wait, hope, pray. Right? I mean, the, the beauty of that is Ramos didn't start that game, and then you know he comes in on the pinch hit, and you know he's your backup catcher. He's your last guy off the bench. Like when you need offense, you need it right now. There were two outs in that situation.
0: In now, uh, who thought that uh, that long fly, uh, foul ball by Harper in the in the tenth? I think. Who thought that was gone? <laughs> I
1: mean, who didn't think it was
0: gone? <laughs> I mean, off <laughs> I was, the bat, I, I was. I was I was ecstatic. And then I saw where it was going.
1: I, I was sitting on the, I was sitting on the left field side. I was like, Oh yeah. You know, no depth perception from that angle. And then all of a sudden I realized,
2: Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the game ended well, it ended with uh mm-hmm. Wilson Ramos. Uh, with a walk off single up the up the middle,
1: He, he uh, glided actually to first base.
2: Yes. Yes. We remember that. And, uh, I mean, Pudge Rodriguez did that a few times when he hit a walk-off <laughs> single. So. Yeah. And,
0: and uh, I think we can, we can all decide, uh, I mean, especially as we're watching the game with Strasburg right now, um, there's nothing wrong with him. If he gives up a couple of home runs, it happens.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, you can't. The Nationals are in such a – they're in a position where any run given up by the offense or by the pitchers almost feels like it's just crippling. It's one and nothing, right? now yeah. for the Pirates, and it just feels like the game's over. Uh, there's no way yeah. that can score one run, even though they're averaging, you know, three and a half on the season. It just, it, it's just uh, not a good feeling that that you have watching the offense. It's not a you know, feeling of confidence.
1: I uh, I want to make another comment on the Friday game, on how. Uh, I talked a lot of Guff about, uh, not Navy, I'm sorry, but Tracy, and uh, I decided to keep my mouth shut from that point <laughs> on after he hit that home run, and he had a good series, too. So,
0: Yeah, he off. definitely uh, he filled in admirably when we needed him to. He did.
1: So. he did, he did. And, you know, maybe that gets him going if we need a pinch hit off the bench. And that's nice. Good thing to uh, have. <laughs>
2: Yes, Saturday's game was was not as long as Friday's game, but it was just as good. Uh, the Nationals clobbered the Phillies in that game.
1: Clobbered is a good word. Yeah.
2: Yes. that was entertaining to watch. It was. Yeah, uh, they you know, had three home runs by you know Tracy, uh, and a couple of Worth. the worths and um, Worth
1: and Desmond.
2: Yep. Yeah, that was a. I mean, anytime you can clobber the Phillies, it's good.
1: Yeah, and and can I, you know, I just want to say that the best part was Worth came up to bat. And there was a Phillies fan next to me, and he just started trying to, you know, a couple other Phillies fans nearby, and they started trying to chant Worthless, Worthless, Worthless. No sooner did they try and start that, he hit that bomb. So that was a nice (laughs) F you to those gentlemen.
2: (laughs) Yes, I mean, that, that was a good game. For worse, he really showed the Phillies fans what his, um, you know, what his value is to the Nationals. And then uh, Sunday's game, <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was yeah. an eventful game. It started off with Cole Go Hamels to deciding to hit Bryce Harper because he's a rookie, and he feels that that rookies should
0: know their place and know their role. Let's and, uh, let's let's talk about this for just a second. <laughs> Uh, Oh, God. So, (laughs) Cole decides he's going to go and hit Harper. He comes after the game, uh, decides to act the big man. You know, of course I was going for him, yada yada. Uh, Brings up something about the kid acting like he's Babe Ruth. Um, A, how is he doing this when no one wants to pitch to him? (laughs) It's not his fault that your own teammates don't want to throw the ball. You know what it is? We're we're talking
1: about a pitching
0: staff that is too cowardly to pitch to Navy. a uh, so, story. Yeah.
1: I mean, they they intentionally walked Xavier Navy on Friday night to get to uh, Ian Desmond. I mean, I don't care who you are, what team you're on. The the biggest coward move is intentionally walking Xavier Navy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just wanted an out at every base, I think, in that move. But they, they pitched around Harper the whole series.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, he had wow. four
2: walks and no base hits coming into that game. And then he, you know, I think that, uh, that, that, um, Hamill's ignited a little something in Harper there. Because Harper, uh, he went from first to third on Worf's single. Yep. And then he ended up, um, he ended up. On the- Stealing, uh, stealing home, home on uh, Hamill's pickoff move. Yeah, so. he
0: uh, he threw over once, and he watched it, and then the second time he knew it, and that was whew. that was
1: that was pretty. By the way,
0: you know, and yeah, I was I, mean, I was thinking as it as he was thrown over, I was like, how sweet would it be if he just stole home, <laughs> and during the first uh, pickoff, and, and
1: you know you know what's funny about all that, and I was like. That was the first of three FUs to Cole Hamels about that hit by pitch. That was the first, him stealing home. Then the second was, and Jordan Zimmerman says he didn't do it on purpose. Okay, he did it on purpose when he hit Cole Hamels with the pitch. And then Cole Hamels got suspended for running his mouth. I mean, that's three times he got it served to him for being, you know, a smart aleck. And I think think it's funny, you (laughs) know, in the grand scheme
0: of things. Oh, it uh, it definitely is. Uh, that game <clears throat> didn't really turn out too well for the Nats. Um, ended up going down nine to three. I mean, it was a, it was a fairly close game for most of it. Three uh, one up until the ninth. Ryan Perry came in and um, imploded. Uh, yeah, and
2: then but the was... sixth inning was the real big loss for the
0: Nationals. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, when uh, uh, when Jason Worth slid for a a shallow fly ball and his glove got caught in the turf and he broke his wrist.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, and he's out now ten to twelve weeks.
1: Uh, we that, should, was, that was that was hard to watch. I mean, you know, and the replays are just ugly. And I I uh, I remember when it happened. I was just like, oh no. I mean, you know, he's having. He was having, you know, a good season to that point. You know, he he was doing well for us. He had a couple of home runs. He'd been been drawing a lot of walks. He'd been taking, you know, he'd been seeing the ball well, I think. He'd been hitting a couple of doubles. He'd he'd been doing what you were hoping he would do. And and it was nice to see, you know. He wasn't, you know, just an automatic out, it seems. You know, and not that he was an automatic out last year, but, you know, he he was having better at-bats, I think.
0: Yeah, he he looked a lot more at home at the plate, and um, I mean, I was out, uh, I was actually out uh, in line waiting for a movie, and I saw it. And I mean, the people I was with, uh, they thought somebody died when I I was reading through Twitters. I just, oh, that that's one thing we didn't need. But I mean, ten to twelve weeks here—a long time. It's a long time. But then again, I mean, you go and you look at exactly when it is, 12 weeks on the outside. I mean, granted, he'll probably need a little bit longer than that, maybe another week or 10 days on top of whenever it is that he's cleared to start rehab, um, rehab games uh, in, uh, you know, single A, double A. Uh, You're looking at the 1st of August. You had another 10 days on that. You're looking at the middle of August. There's still another six, seven weeks of baseball still to play. That's a long time. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's right around,
0: that's right around the
2: trade deadline, which, you know, I was thinking about this today, and, and you know, think about lineup construction. Your standard lineup construction for a team is you have two high on base percentage, low power guys at the top of the order. Then you got your best hitter third. You got a power guy fourth. You can sort of have, in all, uh, you know, your decent backup power guy fifth. And six, seven, and eight is sort of a collection of just what's left over, (laughs) the best of what's left over. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Nationals don't have those top two hitters. They, they, well, I mean Lombardozzi is basically the prototypical number two hitter. A put in, uh, you know, contact, put it in play, uh, guy that just is not going to hit with much power and is going to get on base. And if you look at who they have in the middle infield right now, they have. Two guys that can hit with power and aren't going to get on base much. Yeah, and that's kind of redundant to have two of them. you have, I mean, so it just you look at Lombardozzi and Espinoza and Desmond, and you probably for the betterment of the team to make the best team possible, Lombardozzi should probably be your second baseman.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people have been calling for it, and. I mean, it, it may not happen um, that quickly, but I, I think we're leaning towards that point that, I mean, either Espinoza needs to go down and clear his head. Granted, he's never going to be the, the on-base guy. Um, or we send him down, let him kind of pick his numbers back up, and then he's he's that trade chip. Um, I, I don't think there's a huge drop-off, uh, especially at second base between the two. Um If we were talking short, we'd we'd have to move Espinoza to short um, if we wanted to do that. But I I think, yeah, Espinoza is the guy out. Now, where in your hypothetical lineup, so say we move Lombardozzi in um, and fully healthy, so we're coming up on the trade deadline, we haven't made a move yet, is Desmond still at the top for you? Well, he is until you make a move. Okay. (laughs) I think he's at the top until you make a move. Uh,
2: and we know that the Nationals scouted um, Gerardo Para in the offseason, and he's had a, a relatively decent season, but he has a three oh six on base percentage, so he's not really that top-of-the-order guy either. Um, a guy they looked at last year, Denard Spann. Hmm. He he has he could very well be that leadoff hitter they need. He has a so far this season he has a three forty six on base percentage and a three sixty four slugging percentage. So he is a top of the hit top of the order um bat. And he also plays pretty good defense out in the center field. And the twins almost traded him last year for uh the reported deal was Drew Storen, Steve Lombardosi, and uh, Roger Bernardino, and you sort of you look at what the twins have uh this year you You look at you know their team, and the only guy with a sub five e r a is a guy that's made one start, Scott Diamond, who, who made a start yesterday um, so they need pitching because uh you know someone brought it up to me well they they probably you know want to do as bad as possible so they can get the number one pick well. There's no ping pong balls in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you were the worst team by one game, you got the number one pick. You don't need to tank a season because you get more ping pong balls in the lottery.
0: There's no lottery. Well, they, they, they'd still be the worst team with John Lann and Art, Chin Ming Wong. And uh, I mean, let's be honest. I, I haven't taken a huge look at the the draft so far. But baseball is not one of those sports that there's usually a you know a consensus. This is the guy there's normally, like, two or three guys. I mean, unless you have a Strasburg, a Harper. I mean, even with Garrett Cole last year, it wasn't uh, positive that he was going to be the top guy. I mean, there there was at least a list of... Um, uh, who went number two uh, off the top of my head? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I think, was it Holson? Yeah, Holson did go to... Uh, he went to Seattle. Yes.
2: <clears throat> but, you know, you, you look at the Twins... Uh, you know, they're a major league team and they need a lot of things. Uh, that's a place where if Danny Espinosa gets back to being right, he is an upgrade over Danny Valencia, who they, they just now moved to uh, to second with a call up of Brian Dozer. Um, and, you know, Danny Espinosa might be the shortstop there. Is Brian Dozer, I don't think he's really a, that great of a shortstop, but they have. Um, they have a lot of issues on that team, and um, and if their training span, they're going to need a replacement in center field. So you'd either give them, you know, Michael Taylor or Yuri Perez, which you know Yuri Perez is probably a little closer to the majors, so that might be the guy they go for. And then to make up for the Ramos trade, you would probably give them Sandy Leon, and then maybe a you know low a pitching prospect, and you know. It, you talk about pitching prospects like Robbie Ray or someone like that, and people might say, well, that's a lot. But, you know, you're getting Denard Spann, who's a guy that can hit leadoff for you, play center field. He's under contract for a while. So you're getting a big piece of the puzzle, and you're actually making the Nets lineup what a lineup should be. Because as it is, as it is right now, if let's just say the team just stands pat, doesn't do anything, then the lineup is probably going to be something like Desmond Worth, Zimmerman, Morris, Laroche, Harper, um, Espinosa and Ramos. You have a lot of low on base percentage guys in there. You have you're forcing Worth into the top of the lineup where he doesn't really hit his best, he gets better at fifth. And you're just sort of making this, you're just sort of putting guys out of position instead of just sort of getting the players and having the lineup be what a lineup should be.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting
0: thought. Yeah, I really, I, I think that's the case. I mean, uh, w- whether or not they want to move span or not, uh, I mean, it be, be interesting the to pin and all that.
1: It'll be interesting to see what the Nationals do with this trade deadline because, you know, in the past, we haven't usually been buyers. You know, I'm not saying that we necessarily are going to be this year, but we're in a position, at least currently, to maybe be buyers of the trade deadline.
0: Now, what we also have to remember is, uh, I mean, we have a trade deadline coming up, at which point in and about the the 30 days prior and probably the week to 10 days after we're going to be getting Morse Storin, and worth back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be like we
1: traded for traded nothing for some good players.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a huge swing for us right there. <clears throat> um, I, now if we, if we do move, say we went and got span today, that we moved Espinosa, we moved Wang, and we, you know, we threw in uh, the deal that you put together. Uh, I, the third player is slipping my mind at the moment. Perez. We'll just say Perez. Okay. So we send those three that way. Come the trade deadline, and we get all these guys back. We get Morse back. We get Worth back. Then we have Morse, Worth, Harper, and Span. Um, Harper uh, thus far has played well enough that he's not going anywhere. If he continues that or he continues the play that he's done so far he's he's going to be here he's not they're not sending him back to triple I think what would happen then is you'd sort of you'd look at Laroche
2: and you know that that Harper's are not Har- but you know that Strasburg is on the inning innings limit and that innings limit is probably going to run out a couple weeks into august so you're getting close to it at that time so you probably look at Laroche and Laroche isn't going to go to a, a rebuilding team, so you're probably looking at something like a three team deal, and right now you know the Brewers are in last place in the NL Central that might not last, but that's where they are right now and Mike Rizzo has always always coveted Zach grinky so if you could yeah, move LaRoche, if you could move LaRoche to a team that's missing a first baseman um uh, let's say like. You know, the Cardinals, who, are, you know, Albert Pujols is there, and they have, they have someone there that's, that's performing pretty well, but let's just say that, 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 that performance sort of falls off. Or there's another team out there that needs it. You traded LaRoche there for prospects, use those prospects to go and, and grab Zach Grinky. Or maybe throw in a, a prospect of your own. And you make that deal, and then you go, and Grinky would slide into Strasburg's spot, when that comes up, Morris slides over to first, and you have Harper in left field, Span in center field, and Worth in right field. Okay, and that that would sort of be what would have to happen, unless they want to put Morris on the bench, just in case something happens, because we've seen what can happen now.
0: Now let's let's talk about this. Um, I mean, I. I've been fairly optimistic when it comes to any of these injuries that when these guys come back, whenever that happens to be that there'll be a little bit of time to get reacclimated, but they're going to be, they're not going to be worse than what they were. The issue I have with Morse here though, is that I was already, I mean, it's a, it's a common thought that he's going to have some sort of a coming back to earth from the, you know, amazing season that he had last year so he's going to come back to earth but we can't really we can't really judge him on this you know what this 10 to 12 week period that he's going to have to play um after coming off an injury I mean you're really not going to be able to judge him until next year to see if that has really you know come off or if he just wasn't fully healthy or what and do we would we want to bet that he can at least keep up to what LaRoche is doing or would we rather have LaRoche?
2: I mean that's the, that's sort of a question. Um, and I think that yeah, look you gotta ask yourself, if you can if you can trade LaRoche and get a starting pitcher to fill in for the prospects to trade for a starting pitcher to fill in when Strasbourg leaves, mm-hmm. that's probably the move to make. But if you can't if mm-hmm. you know, that if that move isn't out there, then probably having Morris as a backup guy off the bench, you know, getting into left field or right field and first base, sort of playing three days a week and then coming off to being your first guy off the bench, that big power bat that probably makes the nationals a better team than they would be if they if they put LaRoche on the bench or you know and then you sort of use Morris in the role he was in before he became a full-time starter. It might annoy people yeah, you know, it probably would annoy people, but
1: yeah know you got but I mean Day, you, know? you need a national thirteen. you know. We need a fence day, you know. And I mean, if he serves us best from the bench, put him there. You know. I mean, I look forward to having Morse back, but I mean, you got to look like he's going to serve us the best. If we still have LaRoche and LaRoche is still productive, why, you know, why move LaRoche? And if we got, I mean, I don't know who would be in left field, but if we got somebody producing there too. You know, why well, move I mean, anybody?
0: If everybody's back. I'm trying to think of how many games he could play a week. So if he gives Harper a night off, say we have our uh, I'm ass- you know, this is obviously assuming that Span is here as well. I mean, we're we're going into the uh, beyond into the what ifs here. But I mean, so you give Harper a night off, Harper then gives Span a night off, so that's two, and then Harper give Worth a night off. So really he could play 3 nights a week, maybe 4.
2: Yeah, I mean, and and if you get a left-hander out there, I mean, you're going to want uh, probably you know Morris over over uh, Harper, um, and so you, you know you just there's going to be some juggling that has to be done to get everybody in the lineup.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But that's Davey's job; he's the manager, and you know Lombardozzi should probably be in the lineup more often than he's been recently. And it's just sort of how do you juggle all these guys, keep everyone happy? and make sure so everyone produces. Well, you know, right now there's a lot of guys that aren't producing, and they they sort of they need to get some guys going here.
1: they got to get... Yeah. And, yeah, like the the first at-bat I saw about Ryan Zimmerman tonight, he actually had a really good at-bat where he took a couple pitches and waited, and he finally got a hit. And, you know, is the... Uh... Is the typical Nationals first inning where you know first two guys make out almost immediately, and then Ryan Zimmerman hits a single or something to that effect, and then the next batter makes it out. Uh, <laughs> typical Nationals first inning, and I mean, you know, it's good to see Zimmerman hitting like Zimmerman again. You know, I'm hoping he's starting to get going. He hit that double last night. And it'd be nice if he gets going, because then you know we do have one of our better hitters finally going, which we haven't had yet this season. I mean, Ryan yeah.
2: Zimmerman's really, he's the leader of this team. He's he the guy is. that's got to go out there and carry the team on his back, especially with guys out. And we haven't really seen that this year from him. I, I mean, LaRoche has been doing it, but LaRoche isn't that guy. Zimmerman's the guy that, that, that everyone looks to to carry the team. And if he starts batting well, then whoever you put in the two spot is going to start batting better because they're just going to see better pitches
1: when you have a when you have one or two guys in the lineup who are starting to do better, especially if they're you know like and if they're more spread out through the lineup, you know they're gonna start making the whole lineup better because guys are gonna be trying to get the guys ahead of them out. You know, and, I mean, it's just about making everybody else better. Like your good hitters are being good hitters. You know,
2: you know now, they see see more pitches, they make less outs, so you can get. That starting pitcher has to work harder. Maybe he gets tired sooner. Maybe you get him out of the game sooner and get deep into the bullpen. You know, get that that fifth or sixth guy out of the bullpen up there, and, and you start hitting them. I mean, it just makes the lineup work better when you have guys, you know, making the uh, opposing pitching work.
0: While we're on the topic yeah. of the lineup, um, <clears throat> back to uh, back to our current lineup. Uh, what do you guys think about? Uh, David and I were going back and forth about this today about uh, kind of what our, our ideal lineup right now would be. Um, first off, we'd have to bench Espinoza. I, if we, if we're looking at offense, I mean, on a more consistent basis right now, uh, Lombardozzi would definitely be in, but I had, uh, I had Desmond Lombardozzi. Um, I actually had Harper in third Zim in fourth LaRoche fifth. Um, I'm forgetting somebody.
2: Tyler Moore.
0: Aha! Yes. <laughs> uh, Moore behind him, and then Ramos, and then
2: And that's that's probably the best lineup they could go with right now. But I mean,
0: well, what about betting
1: Ramos higher in the order? Like maybe putting him fourth or fifth.
2: And I don't think fourth uh, suits him. I think you know, he could be a fifth place hitter, but he's more you know the Nationals well, have have basically they have three six number six hitters they have yeah. you know espinoza desmond and ramos should all really be batting six which would make their bottom of the order fairly good if they could get those guys into the bottom of the order but mm-hmm. you know without moving other people they can't do it and you know you kind of you start talking about who you move out who you do that and people you know freak out and say well what about this guy what about this it's like well you want to make it better you're going to have to lose some people that you may like right yeah. like now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truth. Truth. I mean, and, you know, that's, that's all part of you know, talking about earlier, we like were talking about trades and whatnot. You know, it could very well happen that we trade uh, Dan Espinosa or even Stephen Lombardozzi, you know. Or it's Ian just, Desmond. I
2: mean, Ian Desmond's a guy. Or Ian producing. Desmond, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: I mean, depending on what the return is, I mean, I'm not sure where Steven Drew is. I mean, and and, and uh, he may just be with his brother wow. somewhere um, sitting on
1: a couch at, at home. His first home run of the season. <laughs> well, that's
0: now, good. Uh, can I just uh, stop you guys for a second? Dave, you always talk about Chase Sutley just wandering the desert. And yeah, I have to say it doing. really, really made me laugh. That Sunday night game, I caught the first, I don't know, probably three or four innings. Um, and they showed Chase Utley, and they talked about how mysterious his injury was, and nobody knows what's wrong. And I about died because died. his
1: injury is also <laughs> wandering the desert.
0: I mean, he's he just—they they sent him to
2: Phoenix. Right? Their spring training home is in Clearwater, Florida, uh-huh. but he, he's in Phoenix, Arizona. But just why? It just doesn't make. It just like why is he there? Does he live there? I mean, why would he live there if he's, he plays in Philadelphia and has spring training in Florida? What's he doing in Arizona?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. Maybe he uh, maybe he likes the uh, Whataburger out there.
2: Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that makes
1: the most sense. Yeah. I remember doing okay when I lived in Arizona.
2: Now, here's another question. Here's, I mean, the Nationals pitching. I mean, runs per game, runs per game. They have allowed the fewest in the National League at three point zero three a game, and their runs scored. They are the fourth worst with 3.40 a game. Now, to be a winning team, you don't have to be the best pitching staff in baseball. It, it, it helps, but you know, when you're, you're also the fourth worst offense in baseball, in, um, DNL, that doesn't make the pitching help that much. So if, you know, say the Nationals were like fifth or sixth in pitching, but could move up in offense to middle of the pack, They'd probably be a better team. That's four point oh four runs a game. Um, now, what about trading Edwin Jackson, who has always traded the deadline?
1: <laughs> if he, if, I mean, you know, if he's uh, producing like he has been so far, which has been pretty good, I mean, that could be could very well be a good move. You know, I mean, I don't see why that's an unbelievable thing to grasp. Uh, if he's got value and we can get something in return, do it. You know. He's on a one year deal and He he
2: I, is and LaRoche yes. is is sort of he has a team option for next year. But those two guys together, packaged together, could fetch the prospects needed to make a big move. You know, I mean I think span would be a big move, but there might be a bigger moves out there. I don't really want to look at, at center fielders who you know, we've seen Oakland start to trade guys well before their their free agency, like they did with Gio and Cahill,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: you know, there's there's probably other t- like look at Colby Rasmus last year. Edwin uh, Jackson was part of that deal for Colby Rasmus, um, and and you know, he was a guy that a team, the Cardinals gave up on. They just didn't really want him anymore. Now, is there a team out there that may not be, you know, this is probably what would have to happen with this deal is like Adam Jones. Adam Jones would have to be traded to another team. It would sort of have to be like a trickery thing where he's traded and then like the Nationals trade. It, it would be weird how it would have to work out.
0: <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the Orioles would never do that. <laughs> yeah. this,
1: this, would, this, this would be weird. This would be weird because it's nothing got, can be normal in your mind, Dave.
2: <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of like when, when, when the Rangers traded for Nathalie, the Blue Jays made the deal to get Nathalie with all intentions in the world of training him to the Rangers. But the Angels were never going to trade him to the Rangers. If they knew that's where he was going to end up, they never would have made the deal in the first place. So that, that's sort of how this deal would have to end up. And
1: So who would be the third party and who would benefit? Uh,
2: you know, from those two players, it would have to be another contending team. Uh, so, you know, what contending team is missing could use uh, a starting pitcher and... The first baseman. Philadelphia. Yeah, are they really going to be... Con- I don't think that... <laughs> no, be-
0: they're, they're not going to help us at all, but... <laughs> yeah. Fine. How they, about- they, can, they can cry in their little <laughs> let's, cellar. Let's
2: look at the standings here in the National League. Uh, well, let's actually look at all of MLB, because all of MLB counts. Um true. get back to the homepage here. Okay. Right. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays have Pena, and they have plenty of pitching. Yeah. Um... Currently, the Baltimore Orioles are contenders, but I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Uh, The Cleveland Indians, who is their first baseman?
1: You cannot stop LaRoche. Is it LaPorta still?
2: (laughs) Uh, Their first baseman is uh, is a mystery person. Um, I think it's it's whoever they got in the Sabathia trade. I don't remember his name. Matt LaPorta. Matt LaPorta. Okay, he's not very good. No, Uh, he's not. LaRoche would help them, (laughs) and their starting pitching is a bit of a mess. So Edwin Jackson would help them.
1: And so, you know... Well, what about even Atlanta? They they have a lot of starting pitchers that, you
0: know, I mean... Atlanta's not going to help the Nationals. No, it has to be outside the NL East.
2: Yeah, it has to be a team that, that, that can sort of trick Baltimore into saying, you know, because Cleveland can sort of say, we need a center fielder. And then they trade for Adam Jones, and then they trade Adam Jones to the Nationals. It would sort of have to be sort of a, a a wink, wink, nod, nod between Mike Rizzo and another GM to sort of good-wink gotcha. the Orioles because Peter Angelos will probably want to kill somebody after that happened. Um, you well,
1: know, what about Cleveland? What's their pitching like?
2: We just were talking about Cleveland.
1: Yeah, oh, sorry, I was distracted. <laughs>
2: Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: they they have
2: they have not good pitching uh, in the. Derek Lowe is one of their pitchers if that tells you anything. Um
1: yes. No, I, mm.
2: <laughs> Cleveland Go runs ahead. per game. Cleveland has allowed the fourth most uh, uh runs per game in the AL. So they need better pitching. And they need a first baseman. But they you know they also Michael Brantley is their center fielder so in a way they also do need a center fielder. So they probably could pull off that little bit of trickery onto Angelos uh, in order to get stuff from the Nationals. And they might be the perfect team because, you know, the um, the Cardinals are really, you know, I don't know. I can't remember who. Uh, oh, it's um, Carpenter. Matt Carpenter is playing first for them right now and playing quite well. So, uh they probably don't really they're a team that doesn't really need anything. Um and another team, the San Francisco Giants. They don't like Yeah. They don't like Brandon Belt. They in fact hate him and want to ruin him for the rest of his life. Um and Aubrey now Huff, what,
1: just out of curiosity, why do you say that?
2: Because they call him up, they give him a day or two, he doesn't hit for a day or two. They put him on the bench and play Aubrey Huff over him. And then they, they give him another start. They give him like one start a week. He doesn't really play well. They send him back to the minors.
0: Yeah, they are going to screw that kid up. Um, He's on the bus, huh? Yeah, he needs to uh, – they need to just give him, you know, an actual stint there and see what he can do. And really, if, you know, you're talking just a rental player for the Nationals and center field,
2: but there is a pretty strong center field market coming up. The Angels have Melky Cabrera.
1: What about the? Isn't this uh, uh, not the end the, the,
2: the Giants? The giants have Melky Carrera and Angel Pagan, so both of those not. would be upgrades over what the Nationals have.
1: Well, isn't uh, Bourne a free agent after this season? He uh, is. So I mean, you know, if nothing else. Maybe in the off season, we can sign a quality center field free agent as well. You know, I mean, I'm just speaking in maybe's here, obviously, but just a thought out loud.
0: Okay, the uh, the Indian situation is actually worse than we thought it was. Casey Kochman is uh, playing first for them. Oh. Doing that's... terribly. And then... Casey Kochman? Uh, yeah, Jose Lopez wow. has he's also been over there.
1: Oh, well, that's, what that's...
2: This again? exciting. The Indians.
0: Yeah. The Indians.
2: Oh, I'm so
1: tired
2: about that Cool. Yeah, we, we, we went back to them because we figured that um, the Giants... Sort of you know they they need a first baseman because they refuse to use the one they have um, mm-hmm. and the um and that would be more of a straight up sort of you know we need a center fielder, you need a first baseman, let's just trade it, let's just swap our rental players, so mm-hmm. it would sort of be an interesting trade that could work out well for both teams um, but well, I mean can, if one of those
1: rental players is. A decent player, and you end up wanting to keep him around for a little while. Free agent, maybe you could sign him to a deal. Who
2: knows? Well, I don't think anyone wants to sign Melky Cabrera to a deal because you never know when he's going to fall back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, <laughs>
1: true.
2: So, I mean, but I mean, would they want to play as trade a center fielder who's basically hitting as well as LaRoche for LaRoche and move Pagan to center, and then they they sort of create then Aubrey, Aubrey Huff in left field or Brett Till in left field? You know, do they want to do that? That's you know these, these sort of things. We're, we're still a couple months from the trade deadline. All this yes. stuff, as they say in baseball, will
0: work itself out. Yeah. Well, speaking of Laroche, um, he just actually <laughs> put us ahead. Uh, two run bomb just, put us up three two. Now I, I just have a question. Uh huh. All right, Repi- replace
2: uh, e- uh, our Bernardino's home run with Ryan Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. And replace uh, LaRoche's with Adam Dunn's. And you have Strasbourg's debut all over again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty awesome. He I needs mean, a couple more strikeouts. Yes, but, he needs uh, to get through the sixth
2: yes. and seventh, and then he needs to have, have Clippard and Matt Capps come in. Well, Matt Capps were sort of where our team came you. off
1: from the, uh, the, the Twins there it's for a
2: day. Wild. Uh,
1: <laughs> See, Matt Capps is where Nationals go to die in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, well, the twins are in a desperate, desperate situation. I just.
1: I, re- I read an article that you uh, were given on Twitter today, Dave, about how the twins were, quote unquote, amused by the Nationals' offer of John Lennon to the twins. And I noticed you had they a response amused, that yeah. said. I, know, yeah, I noticed you had a response that said the twins aren't really in a position to be amused by anything. <laughs> Which yeah. is true, because. They've got, I think it's eight
2: wins on the season. Let's 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 look at their start. The guys who have started for them, all right, Carl Pavano, age old Carl Pavano, who's still sort of going along there. Uh, Didn't have such a good time with the Yankees. Now on the Twins, Uh, he has a 5.02 ERA and a, um, you know, he's not doing well. Um, Then they have.
1: You're right. by the way. They're eight and 22 on the season. Which, right.
2: I know that. Uh... But let's look at the starting staff. Uh, the guys, uh, Scott Diamond, is the call-up that started just the other day. He is one and zero on the season with a zero ERA. But he has one major league start. So that guy, you know, you still got four other guys. Uh, Nick Blackburn, who I think is hurt right now, had a 6.84 ERA. They have Jason Marquis. Remember him? He he may have bone chips in his elbow again. I don't know if that's the case, but he has a 5.40 ERA. Uh, Liam Hendricks has also started for them. I've never heard of Liam Hendricks, but he has a 9.0 ERA. They have Anthony Swarzak with a 6.75 ERA. And then Francisco Liriano, who they just moved to the bullpen, has a 9.45 ERA.
1: Check this out too. Like one of the guys with the best the best ERA of the starting staff is Carl Pavano with a 5.02 ERA.
2: Uh Scott Diamond has a zero
1: ERA. <laughs> I mean, that's that's.
2: Name is Scott Diamond.
0: <laughs>
1: Scott Diamond. <laughs> yes, yeah, Scott Diamond, the pitcher. Ah, uh, okay.
0: Yeah. And they just they moved Leary onto the pen, didn't they?
1: They did. Yeah. yeah, yeah heard About they, that today.
2: This reminds well, me. of...
1: I'm, when I, know, I was
2: talking about that, I almost called them the 2009 Twins. Because <laughs> what it reminds me of is the 2009 Nationals. where yeah, basically did, the same thing.
1: Yeah. They need
2: yeah. LeVon Hernandez to come in at the end of the year. And he, LeVon Hernandez basically saved the pitching staff. And he didn't do that he well. Did. He just gave innings. They well, need I'll a guy that can go out there was, take a beating and just Give innings because they gotta, you know, they, they have some promising prospects in the minors, but they don't want to rush them up. You don't want to bring a guy up and you don't want to bonderman them
1: Well, as a team right now, the Twins have a 5-4-8 ERA. As team. their bullpen. Which, uh,
2: their bullpen's not that good either. <laughs> they have some bad guys in the bullpen and, you know, people talk about how the Nationals bullpen isn't, um, isn't as strong as it was last year. Well, no, but still pretty good compared to other bullpens.
1: I mean, uh, we had a pretty phenomenal bullpen last year. Let's face it. I mean, <laughs> come on, that was awesome. Uh, I wouldn't say our our bullpen's bad, and I think you said it before, Dave. And it's just like if we had to, you know, if it was a game of the bullpens where it came down to the bullpen to put our bullpen against any other one in the in the in the game, you know? Yeah, because I mean. You can lean on just about anybody. They're not all of them perfect, but yeah,
2: I think part of the problem good. that people have with the bullpen is the offense.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, the the big problem that the team, the Nationals, have is not scoring enough runs. I mean, you can score. You need to score. A, I mean, you can score three runs in a game and still lose, and you can score three runs in a game and still win. You know, and right now the Nationals. They're scoring about four runs a game, I believe it is. Three point four zero runs a game. Okay, so they're scoring about three to four runs a game. So it's—I mean—you're getting that where you're in the situation where you could, you know, maybe just score one more run and win a game. Maybe just score two more runs and win a game. That's
2: comparably best. The best offense in baseball are in the NL. Let's go with the two. My computer is slowed down. Why is my, my? I want you to work. Um, okay. <laughs> what best, are you
1: looking for?
2: The best, the best offense in the National League is the St. Louis Cardinals, and they point, scored 5.61 runs a game. Uh, the league average for the NL is 4.04. So, if the Nationals could get up to that league average, I mean that would really help. I mean, and I think that they basically have a league average offense if everyone was healthy, but without Worth and Morris, you know, it's sort of the same as it was when you didn't have LaRoche and Zimmerman. You're sort of, you, you know, you 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 got those two back and you sort of went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I mean, you're stuck, You sort, of, sort of the offense is sort of stuck in the mud right now And they got to get some sort of spark to get it going. And whether it's getting a guy like just getting Espinoza to get his act together or, you know, getting Ankeel, getting him in one of his hot streaks. I mean, when Ankeel gets hot, I mean, there's just no one hotter in baseball. When he gets hot, he just is on another planet. But his hot streaks are so far and few between that it's almost frustrating to watch him play.
1: Well. Definitely agree on that one. I mean, you has shown he can hit for power, you know, and he's shown he can hit flat out. But I mean, I believe it was just the one season after he came back as an outfielder where he had his 25 home run year, where he was really good, you know. And then after that, he's just kind of showed that he's well, like Ankeel, and there's nothing. Spectacular. is nothing wrong with Rick Ankiel. I mean, but he's not a guy. Like, you know, he comes up to the plate. You're not like, oh, this is the guy I wanted to see in this position, you know? And it's a uh, man at times. It's a little bit frustrating to watch. Sometimes it's not. Yeah, 2007, he hit 285, 328, 535. Uh, what's that? Um, 11 home runs. is. 25 home run season in 2008 264 337 506 after that he kind of tapered off a little bit low lower numbers I mean you know I like having Rick Anke around I think he's better honestly coming off the bench you know and shit
0: oh uh, absolutely he, yeah, he's a fourth outfielder yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean you know and we need that but I mean right now he's a starting center fielder and that just Speaks to what we, you know, are we missing. Prove.
2: Because you know, Worth and uh, Morris would be out there if if they were healthy. Um, they were. They're not healthy, and uh, you know, the Nationals they they need to 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 make some moves. And you know, and people write off their minor league system because they traded all the guys for Gio and then they called off Harper. But if you look at one position in particular in the Nationals minor league system. They're turning into like a catcher factory. Yeah. <laughs> they just traded they just traded Derek Norris as part of the, the Gio Gonzalez trade. At Harrisburg this year they have Sandy Leone, who's supposed to be uh, a very good defensive catcher and he's currently batting two ninety four, three thirty seven, four twenty four, which is very good for a catcher. right, right behind him though, right behind him is one of my favorite prospects. In the Nationals organization, David Fritas. Which,
1: David Fritas,
2: which has an R in his name. Uh so and and.
1: That's a, that's a baseball name, David Fritas.
2: Well, yes, so he at 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 Single A Potomac is batting three thirty eight, four nineteen, five thirty eight. I mean, that is just that that you know that's probably a guy you don't trade. Five thirty Five thirty eight. <laughs> plugging five thirty eight. Wow. His career Not numbers at three different levels are 299,
1: 410, 459. I mean,
2: that. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, so that's two starting catchers sort of, you know, right behind each other that, that are, you know, kind of. You look at that and you look at. Catcher is a neat position it. for a lot of teams. Do
1: we, huh. Do we have another guy in spring training? Was it Maldonado?
2: Yeah, Maldonado
1: and uh,
2: Jonathan. Or is he more of a defensive oriented? Yeah, M- Maldonado's a, an older guy. I think he's in his 30s. Um, oh, is he really? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been around a while. Jonathan Solano is another guy. He's been around a while. So there's no one right there at AAA. That would have been Norris's okay. spot, and you sort of trade away the AAA guy. But you have, yeah, of course, yeah. Ramos at, 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 the, at the highest level, and Leon may be in AAA by the, the, the middle of the year. And Fritos will probably—I mean—with his numbers, with a 9.57 OPS at single A, uh, he's probably going to be in double A soon. <laughs> I mean, and so that's those are a couple prospects they have, and then they also have a guy at low A, uh, low A Hagerstown. He's not a catcher; uh, he is a a third baseman, um, Matt Scole, who has a 9.40 OPS. <laughs> 290, 440, and 500. Um that's very good. And then they have a shortstop there. I can't remember the name of, but I am right here on the Google machine. So I will be able to tell you in a... <laughs> uh, Jason... Reliable
1: Google machine.
2: Jason Martinson is a shortstop at Hagerstown. And his numbers on the year, 280, 414, 449. So they have some talent in the Meyer Leagues. And, and that's not even talking about the pitching talent. That's not talking about Meyer or, you know, Perk who's somewhere missing in action right now. He's an extended
0: uh, spring still, I believe.
2: Robbie Ray. and you know, they have a number of guys. Rosenbaum has two complete games. He's sort of been, you know, we said before, he's the guy that's going to be the next uh, Tommy Malone, and that's exactly what he's been.
1: Well, Maybe uh, we can trade uh, the next Tommy Malone for the next Gio Gonzalez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean the uh, the shelves are definitely stocked. I mean the the notion that we traded away our organization for Gio Gonzalez obviously is uh, uh, it was definitely false. Uh, I mean
1: that's just that's that's one of those things where you know somebody says it because you know they liked these guys for what they saw and their their flashes of brilliance. You know. I don't wonder at times if, you know, when Craig Stammon, he came up and he was good for a couple of games, you know, he had a couple of really good games, if we had traded him immediately thereafter. I wonder what people would have said. You know? They would have probably, I mean... as a thought out loud. I don't
2: think Craig Stammon was... The guy people were mad about was A.J. Cole. Yeah. Because he was on a lot of, of top prospect lists. And people, you know, that follow prospects sort of live and die by, by these lists. They never really see the guys themselves, or they don't look at their stats. They just sort of go, well, you know, this guy who is an authority on this says he's good. Well, some of those guys that were an authority on that one time said uh, Jerry Mer- Jer- Jeremy Hermita is the next best outfielder in baseball. I mean, A.J. Cole right now at High A Stockton, has a 6.0 ERA and a 1.633 WHIP. Uh, his strikeouts per nine have f- fell off from a 10.9 last year to a 7.5 this year. Now he is a 20-year-old at single A, so don't read too much into that. But it's still those numbers aren't good.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of these people, uh, they, I mean, you tend to get the, uh, I mean, you hear about it a lot with the fans you hear about it when people talk about it in fantasy baseball they they overvalue the quote unquote potential of this you know this new hot thing over the guy that there's a reason that they're here i mean granted you're on every major league club or at least the ones that aren't good there're going to be guys that yeah on on a good team he's probably not a major leaguer he's probably you know uh, a starter at triple a you know an a organizational filler type guy but for the most part, there's a reason these guys are at the major league level.
2: I mean, you know, yeah. you look at a guy that that you bring up a lot in these trade talks, John Lennon, and people go, "Well, John Lennon's not—he's he's, he's a fifth starter at best. He's—he's he's not performing at AAA. He's—he's—he's he's, he's no good." But you know, like we mentioned with the Twins rotation, he's better than a lot of guys that are in the majors right now. Um, He's just I think people undervalue him, and you look at when I talk about his contract it's, he's getting five million dollars this year, which you compare that to Joe Saunders, who's getting six million or he's getting seven or six million you know you got Mahomes who's getting more than that, and Chris Capuano is on a three year deal where he get three million this year and then six million and then twelve million million over the next two years after that
1: and i mean that's a good point, you know, but i mean. And Paul Mahalan moved from the Pirates to the Cubs, but I mean, he really, it was kind of a lateral move. You know, yeah, but he didn't really think, go to a better team. And I, mean, I, I he know there's paid teams more out there who. John right, crazy. right. No, I, I agree with you. I'm just, you know, making a point here. I mean, you know, like, it, as far as, I, I, okay, first off, I definitely agree with you, but I mean, he moved and, you know, he didn't go to a better team. And I mean, there's lots of teams out there who need a guy who can just kind of go out there and pitch, you know, and you know, the sad thing is John Lennon was our ace at one point. (laughs) And now we're talking about trading because I mean, nobody wants him, you know? Um, But I mean, like Joe Saunders, uh, who was the other guy again? Chris Capuano. Capuano. I mean, look, here's Chris, Chris Capuano. Chris Uh, Capuano was with the Mets and then he moved to the Diamondbacks, correct?
2: Yeah, Fangraphs. Yeah, Fangraphs does have an autocorrect. Why does Fangraphs have an autocorrect, and Baseball Reference doesn't? You can't get anything wrong at Baseball.
1: But uh, you know what's really annoying? Yeah, Baseball Reference is annoying. Like, I mean, I mean, you type in one guy's name with one extra letter, and suddenly it's like, who the hell are you talking about?
2: And Chris Capuano has sort of good numbers this year, but John Lennon's done this before too, where he's had good numbers for a little bit. <laughs> you know, um, he can get hot on a str- you know, on a hot stretch, but over his career, Chris Capuano has a 4.31 ERA, and you know his his strikeout to walk rate is very similar to John Lannan's, about you know about around one. Um, and you know you, you look at, at at John Lannan, who has a as a 4.0 career ERA, and a his strikeout to walk rate for his career is 1.39. So. He's, they're very similar pitchers, but people talk about Capuano. Is he's right now the, the number three starter on the Dodgers? Just sort of that, thats where he falls in. If the Nationals hadn't had only gotten Geo had, hadn't gotten Geo Gonzalez, say they went with the, they, they didn't trade for him. They went with the rotation. They have Strasburg, Zimmerman, Lannon, and you know Jackson, um, Peacock. And Gutweiler. Uh, yeah. De- why, oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Well, maybe Malone.
2: Yeah. Let's just say in some fantasy world. He he was the Nationals. Some alternate universe. He somehow ends up as the National third starter this season. I mean, then does he just suddenly have more value because he's a number three instead of a guy that's in Triple A? I mean, I'm I wonder if he's still the same
1: guy, right? Nothing. Do you think? Do you think maybe the simple fact that he got put on a bus to AAA, everybody's like, "Oh, he's not worth anything anymore." I and see. maybe that's and I and I think that's a wrong, you know, that's a bad reason to say anything like that because he's still with John Lennon. I mean, he may not be, you know, performing well at AAA this year, but I mean, that I mean doesn't mean anything really. You know, I mean. Who's well, the he doesn't get back in the major leagues and doesn't throw a shutout the first game back, you
0: know? Yeah, well two things. One is I mean, I think a lot of people buy into the fact that uh, the the sound bites you hear from GMs back and forth that, you know, oh, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna pay all of Lannon's salary, he's paid too yeah, you much for this and that. You gotta take and people you gotta
1: take all that stuff with a grain of salt, you know
0: exactly. That's that's business speak, is all that is. That's trying to gain an edge. and Rizzo's doing the right thing. I mean, he had an option. John Lennon's not gonna, you know, rot. Uh, he can sit at triple A and you know, he'll be just fine. And as far as not doing well at triple A, um, if I recall, he didn't do that hot when we sent him down.
1: The, the double A. Eight, I believe. Well,
0: yeah, whenever we had to send him down uh, because he just wasn't doing anything, um, he did pretty terribly there, and then we brought him back, and he was fine. Well,
2: there's a reason yeah. for that. I mean, there's, there, there's a reason for that. If you look at, um, you know, who he has behind him, they're probably not as defensive, as good defensively as mm-hmm. Espinoza and Desmond, and uh, definitely Zimmerman and LaRoche. I mean, that's, that's a fairly good defensive infield right there and then the infields aren't manicured the same so you, you have sort of this dynamic where a pitcher like John Lennon is going to do worse at the lower levels because he yeah, he's, he's pitching on he's pitching to contact he's pitching to worse infields where things there's rocks in the in the ground there's you know the grass isn't mowed as regularly and all sorts of things go on there. And then the infielders themselves aren't as good. So you kind of have all that going on at the same time.
1: And, you know, John Land's a guy that then, needs
2: a good defense. Yeah, to he, need,
1: he needs a solid defense in order to you know get John land's stats. And I think... I mean, I think maybe that's, I mean, you know, that's a really good point. I think maybe that's a good reason as to why his stats aren't what they've always been because he doesn't have a major league team fielding behind him. But you can also make the argument in 2009, he didn't have a major league team fielding behind him either, you know? Yeah, but they were better at
2: players least, than probably what he has at the, the minor league level.
1: Sure, and that's what,
2: true. That's, that's the reason scouts exist. Because no one's yeah. going to trade for John Lennon by looking at his, his stat sheet Right in the minor leagues. Yeah, and they're they're going to put look their at eyes on him, them. Or, yeah. They're going to go and they're going to look at how he's actually pitching. I mean, if you look, he has a strikeout to walk rate in the, at AAA right now of 1.31. His career strikeout to walk rate is 1.39. I mean, so he very well could be pitching like John Lennon. He, he's striking yeah. out about the same. He's walking about the same number of guys. It's just he's giving up a lot more hits this year. But why? Where are those hits located? Are they soft ground balls? Are they line drives? Are they? It would be, you know, be
1: interesting to look at a a spread. Sh- uh, what's it called? A spray chart, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, get an idea of where these hits are coming from when John Lennon pitches, because he could very well be pitching just like John Lennon, but yeah, yeah and I get lucky.
2: You just don't know what's going on. Uh, there, and people make a lot of assumptions, because people, I think, people actually make the assumptions, they're not really making assumptions so much as they're just sort of using their preconceived notions. I got in a rather long argument with someone the other day about Ian Desmond.
1: I feel like that's not abnormal.
2: (laughs) They were still saying he doesn't belong on a major league roster. And it just blew my mind that that, that someone could still argue that.
1: (laughs) It's not... you know look look, look at what, look at what people do though you know like as soon as a guy has some difficulty like no matter how minor no matter how major the first thing they think is fire somebody and trade this guy you know i mean of course i don't know what it is but there's always going to be somebody yeah after after uh, henry rodriguez blew that save the other day somebody actually i saw some tweets that were just like Ramos is the worst, you know, the worst catcher ever. He shouldn't be playing in the major leagues, and then Rodriguez shouldn't be be in the major leagues. It's just, you know, it's, it's <laughs> just beyond me. You know, it's I just mean, like you know, fire Steve McCaddy, because why not? <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know,
2: we were going to talk. I mean, another thing when when T uh, G and I were texting back and forth, we were talking about was uh, Rick Eckstein. People, you know, after the the national struck out ten times last night, everyone was was uh, get rid of Steve McCaddy. Uh,
1: yeah.
2: just, uh, not Steve. Get rid of uh, Rick Eckstein. You gotta remember which coach is which. Yeah, right? yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. both. Remember, remember that uh, Steve McCaddy is in fact the hitting coach.
2: Yeah, pitching <laughs> <laughs> coach. Yes. But um, I'm kidding. Yeah. As yes, Rick Eckstein, you know they, they just you know get rid of him. This team strikes out too much. Well, you know you look at it, and the only two guys that are significantly above their career strikeout rates are Danny Espinoza. And Roger Bernardino. You
1: know, know everyone else else is basically basically playing like themselves. I think it actually is Steve McCarthy's fault because you know he's he's obviously working miracles with the pitching staff, and he's obviously you know doing a little bit too well because his pitching staff is still getting strikeouts on their own team. You see what I'm saying?
2: (laughs) I I see. uh, Yeah, it has some sort of reverse effect. Yeah, it's it's all. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It makes the most sense. Therefore, logically, we should fire Rick Eckstein.
2: Right, but the, at, at hitting coaches, and the most well-known hitting coach, the only hitting coach I act well, I know two hitting coaches by name. I know Don Baylor, because he used to work for Masson, now works for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and um, Rudy Haramia. Rudy Haramia is the rock star hitting coach. He is the, the highest-paid hitting coach in baseball. You uh, want to guess um, where his team ranks in runs per game in the NL? No, they're third worst, with 3.39 runs per game, because they're the, oh, the Chicago Cubs. Cubs.
1: Oh, the Cubs, because
2: their players aren't any good. That's why it's down. Um, you know, I know a lot of people love the national players. Maybe we need to look at it and just say, we need better players. You know, you're not a guy is going to sprinkle fairy dust on Rick Ankeel and Rick Ankiel's gonna suddenly turn into Carlos Beltron and just put everything in play and it's gonna be deep.
1: The problem uh, is nobody's stri- nobody's tried sprinkling fairy dust on Rick Ankeel. Yeah,
2: that might be what needs to be done, but but then the team that Rudy Haramia left uh in the AL, the Texas Rangers, you wanna guess how their offense is doing? <laughs>
0: Pretty good. I know it's doing
2: pretty
1: well. <laughs> I, th- I think the the running gag for me has become that the Texas Rangers have only scored eight runs tonight. It's a pitcher's duel.
2: Yeah, I mean they're <laughs> scoring five point six seven runs a game. They're the best offense in baseball, and they lost the rock star hitting coach. They still kept the good players. <laughs> the players dictate this much more than anything else, and.
1: Well, I mean, it's crazy because you, you can watch the the Rangers and it's like I swear it's like every other day they got ten runs on the board. You know, I don't I mean, know what is in the water in Texas, but I mean, it's
2: it's that lineup. That lineup is just <laughs> you can't negotiate that lineup. There's no getting through that lineup safely. You have you know you start off with with Andrus, so right off the bat you got a guy that can put it in play, get on base, cause havoc on the base pass. Right after him, you got Ian Kinsler. Ian Kinsler is probably either the best second baseman in baseball or the second best baseman in, second baseman in baseball, behind only Robinson Cano. He's yeah. a very, very good player. Then you got Josh Hamilton.
1: Yeah, had four <laughs> home runs the other night.
2: Do you need to say anything about Josh Hamilton?
1: No, no. <laughs> then then well, you, you, know,
2: know. you got Nelson Cruz, Mike Napoli. <laughs> you know your, your first baseman. Your first baseman is your number nine hitter on most nights. Jeez. I mean, come
1: on <laughs> that's just Well and, and check this out you know the 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 Orioles and the Rangers had a doubleheader today um in game 1 Baltimore had to score six runs to win that game Yeah okay they they lost the, the Rangers lost 5, five to 6 and, you know that's, a, that's a, again a bad offensive day for the Texas Rangers and right now they're playing game two. They're in the top of the seventh inning. They have the bases loaded. They already have six runs. They might get a few more right here. I don't know. Let's see. I don't know how many outs they have. Let's look at this real quick on my Google. Oh, oh okay. I'm sorry. Now they okay. Yeah, they have seven runs, seven to three. Uh, they have there's two outs. Got on second and third, and uh, they they got three runs in this inning alone.
2: Yeah, I see the score. Just, I mean, they're they, they're fairly, um, you know, they, they're what you call a good team. Um,
1: not, so, uh, I, so, I think their lineup. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, you look at how the lineup's constructed. You have Andrus, the, the not a lot of power, get on base type of guy. They have Ian Kinsler, who you know he has good power for a second baseman, but he's a second baseman, so um, you know he's averaged over his career he has averaged you know 26 home runs a season so that's good for a second baseman you know that's that's you know around Dan Ugla level what Espinosa sort of did last year um but you know he's a guy he, he gets on base in his career at a 356 clip and he's kind of the number two hitter that you kind of want <laughs> and and then you, you go and you look I mean, Josh Hamilton's Josh Hamilton. Michael Young. I mean, people like to 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 say Michael Young is overrated and he's not very good, but I mean,
1: if I've always I've always been a little bit of a fan of Michael Young. He's always had great, and pretty good offensive stats. I mean, I mean, I'm, you know, he's he's moved around on the infield a lot. and His defense might not always be amazing, but I know he's he's a pretty good offensive player. And he it
2: has a, I it's an eight hundred clear you know. He's a, he has that? an eight, he has an 800 career OPS, That's and we say, really nice. I mean, you say 700 is about you know your average major leaguer. He's 100 points higher than that. He's he's pretty well above average. Um, <laughs> I mean, so he's fairly. And you're talking about him as sort of you know a weak guy in that lineup. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, Ian Kinsler. He's one of those guys I've always liked too. You know, I mean. Second baseman, he plays some pretty good defense, and you know his offensive prowess is just incredible. <laughs> I remember when I first, you know, I first learned about Ian Kinsler, I was like, oh, I like, I like this guy. You know, just never been proven otherwise. You know, he's he's I mean, a fun player to watch.
2: He is. I mean, it's just, um, you know, and, and when Danny Espinosa came up, he was supposed to sort of be that Ian Kinsler type, the good defense to, you know, sort of dare you to hit him. Stand right in the batter's box, glare at the pitcher, type of guy, and he still could be that player. But he's uh-huh. got to play to, to be to be that that player still. I mean, let's look at let's go back and look at uh, Ian Kinsler's second year in the major. Let's see uh, how he did. Uh, Ian Kinsler in his second year, well, he did pretty good in his second year. He uh, he fell off a bit. In the batting average in slugging department, but his on base percentage went up. He went uh from two eighty six three forty seven four fifty four uh to two sixty three three fifty five four forty one if we break that down further in two thousand and seven uh in April of two thousand and seven let's see yeah in April of ooh ouch wow uh that's that's pretty good April of two thousand seven was good, but may here's where he had his adjustment period here's his may one seventy four two sixty seven two twenty eight wow, yeah, that sounds like someone you know maybe i mean so you know that's an entire- that's twenty seven games of doing that i mean. Danny Espinoza, so far this season
1: yeah, yeah, has played in uh, too, you know I just, I, he's I played I in like, I 29 games that's
2: that's two more than that awful stretch for for um Ian Kinsler and he's done about the same thing
1: double last night hit today i mean yeah. you know he could come out of it at any moment
2: he could uh,
1: and, and I mean, you know, you got we've talked about this before. You gotta let him work through it a little bit. You know, it gets frustrating to sit back and watch, you know, one of the guys that you like, that you you really have a lot of confidence in, or at least you did last year, you know, struggle like he has been. And uh I mean I think I think it'd be nice to you know, if we could relate it out a little bit, I think if we could be rewarded a little bit by it I mean espinoza has got grit, you know. I like the way he plays defense. I like the way, when, when he is on, when he is hitting. And, you know, the thing I feel like a lot of people forget about Danny Espinoza is how little time he spent at A. you know. Uh, I think it was two weeks, three weeks at A, And, I mean, he came right up to the majors. He got his, he got his September call up in 2010, and he's been here ever since.
2: I mean, he's, he, you know, he has this talent. There's an immense amount of talent. You you look at it, and you watch him at the plate, and you can see what the problem is. He's not IDing those breaking balls that are out of the zone, and he just keeps swinging at them. All he has to do is stop swinging at them, and he's going to force the other players to come into his zone. That's sort of just what he needs to do, is just sort of stop swinging, just take and know where he can hit a ball. And even if it's a strike, don't swing at it. You know, people may get mad that he's striking out looking all of a sudden, but so what? You know, <laughs> it just, I mean, just what say, difference I, would it
1: be from striking out swinging, you know?
2: Just say, I can hit a ball here. I'm not going to swing at anything that is not here because I can't hit it. I mean, you it, know, what's, I, you know and what's the point yeah. of putting something in play? I mean, unless there's a runner on third with less than two outs, you don't swing at a ball out of your hitting zone. I mean, who cares yeah. if you strike out with nobody on base?
1: You know what I really like too. I like what Davy did. He said, you know, he said, "Sv's my guy. He's gonna be in there." And he, you know, he had his player meeting today, and he asked Danny S. He said, "Do you want do you want to be in the game today, or do you want the day off?" And he said, "I want to be in the game today. You know, I think that's 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 very that's awesome on two parts because you know, one, you got David Johnson who he believes in his guy. He's gonna you know he's gonna take it to the birder, You know, it's all the way. He doesn't care. He's gonna let him do his thing. No matter how much it hurts, he's patient. You know, then Espinosa, where he just, you know, he's just—you know—he's trying to get out there. He's not—he's not producing, but he doesn't seem to really be losing any confidence in himself. And you know, I think—I think is going to benefit from that. Yeah, and
2: uh, I mean, maybe the, maybe the move with Espinoza. I mean, you know, leaving him in the bottom of the order, he gets to see the pitches that he can't hit because this was you know part of the problem with Desmond is Desmond never got to adjust to certain things because they batted him second for most of the last half of his rookie year in front of Ryan Zimmerman and he just never he could hit a fastball but <laughs> he, he never yeah. saw the breaking pitches he had trouble with and if you move Espinoza up to the the, the two hole he'll, his numbers will probably go up i mean i looked it up his on, his on-base percentage was 50 points higher when he was batting second this year Um, so that would help him because all of a sudden, you know, people will go after him more to get him out. And, you know, he, he he sort of will see the better pitches. He won't see, he sees the pitches he can ID better than the ones that he can't at the, you know, at the top of the order with Zimmerman behind him and he'll either get on base or he'll hit those balls. But in the bottom of the order, he's seeing just uh, all breaking balls. I mean, I can't. I mean, I've seen that bats with him where it's just been, you know, slider in the dirt, slider in the dirt, slider in the dirt, and he swings at every one of them.
1: No, I agree. And you know, they were talking about it on the broadcast once for the Nationals. Like Danny Espinoza has seen, uh, he, he's seen nothing but off-speed stuff, and he's striking out. You know, when they put him the a fastball, he gets on it. And so, I mean, it's it's the off-speed stuff. I think he's struggling the most with. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, he he needs to. He def I definitely agree. He needs to hit something in the zone, not just swing at everything. And you know, I didn't notice it until you pointed it out, Dave. That it's when he swings up, you know, when he takes that low pitch. That's when he's drawing the walks. That's when they actually throw him a strike and he gets a hit. You know, but he doesn't do that. He just swings at. I mean, there's something about the the low, you know, we talked about it before, where he's got that golf swing. He, he seems to have done away with the golf swing for the most part, but, I mean, now he's just not swinging at anything, getting hit, you know. I mean, he's, well, he's swinging at everything, but he's not getting hit when he's swinging at anything, you know what I mean? It's, yeah.
2: It's
1: a little, a little frustrating, but, I mean, at the same time, he's... You got to work through it, and I mean, you know. Well,
2: I mean, if he goes do- if he goes down to AAA
1: and he's he's seeing worse pitches, and then he starts hitting these worse pitches, and he comes up to the major leagues, and then it's just not the same. I mean, has he really done any good? You know.
2: No, I mean, it, it just because you think about those those curveballs being thrown by a, you know, look at UNESCO Maya. Yuniesky Maya is a good example. I mean, he. <laughs> Maya it, it, is, is having Unesky a fairly a good
1: example of
2: failure. <laughs> he's having a fairly good, good season down at Triple A. I mean, well, maybe not. Well, that's, that's that's. Let's look at the minors here. Um, he's he so far he has a, you know, three fifty seven ERA down there. I mean, it's not great, but it's not bad either. But if you watch Yunesky Maya pitch, every curveball he throws hangs. He doesn't throw mm-hmm. the big sharp ones that fool batters like Espinosa is being fooled on. So, mm-hmm. you know, Espinosa goes down there and starts facing the Yineski Mayas of the world and throw these hanging curveballs that get out AAA players. Well, they're not going to get out Danny any Danny Espinosa is going to hit those for doubles and home runs. And, you know, and within a week you'll look at his numbers and go, man, that's amazing. You Call him right back up, same problem all over again.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of the issue, uh, at least with the fan perspective on this, is I mean that they do just that. They look at the numbers, and they're looking at his numbers right now. And you know he's hitting what one? It was one eighty something last I looked. I don't know what it is right now. It's one eighty nine, I think. Oh, he's come up. Look at that. Um, so he's sitting at one eighty nine. And granted, that's that's not good by any means. Um, no, but I mean, uh, we we've said this about other things all the time. Baseball is 162 games, uh, yeah. and I mean, Rizzo said it the other day. They're they're called averages for a reason. You you have low times, you have high times, and you you kind of meet in the middle. I mean, mm-hmm. um, 2006, Justin Morneau was hitting a tick over 200 through about the same amount of games that Espinoza has. Uh, he ended it hitting three eh, twenty something and won the MVP. I mean, granted, I'm no. not looking for that from Espinosa, but you can come back from a bad, even a bad six week, eight week stretch. And I have mean, a even season. last year
1: with Ian Desmond, his second half of the season was just better offensively. You know, mm-hmm. um, he he hit better. He, you know, it seemed like everything was clicking. He was he was playing the field. He was hitting, and it just he was rounded, you know, and he's followed it well through this season so far. He's playing good baseball, you know, and it's fun to watch. You know, yeah. I've been saying it all. I mean, you probably, you guys have probably heard me say, you probably seen me tweet it, and it's just like, wow, I love watching Ian Desmond play shortstop. You know, I've always liked Ian Desmond, and like now, it's we're finally just being rewarded for being patient with him, letting him have his struggles that he had last year and in 2010. You know,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and I mean. Who would you rather have playing shortstop right now, Ian Desmond or Christian Guzman? <laughs> you you know? that's, that's not even a and, question. And, that's, <laughs> and that, that's 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 who that's who Ian Desmond replaced. And I remember I knew somebody who was pissed that Ian Desmond uh, replaced Christian Guzman, and to this day hates Ian Desmond because he replaced Christian Guzman. <laughs> that's just not logical to me.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: It is ridiculous, and you know, and it's funny because I, I I made the joke earlier. I was like, "Sorry, Desi, you're gonna have to accept the fact that everybody hates you now." <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's true. Everybody, you know, he's replaced. And it's weird. It, it's kind of a bizarre world because last year everybody hated Danny or hated Ian Desmond and loved Danny Espinoza, and Here's the it. coin just flipped.
2: <laughs> Question for you here. I just uh, I went to look up a player because I thought maybe they had a sophomore. slump. They never had a sophomore slump because they never had a very good rookie season. <laughs> um, Chase Utley.
0: A he guy, just kind uh, of
2: jumped onto the really? scene at one point, didn't he? He, he came up in two thousand three. Um, he played forty three games with one hundred fifty two plate appearances. He batted two thirty nine, three twenty two, three seventy three. Mm. The next season, he batted 266, 308, 468. Then, in his third year, 2005, he jumped all the way up to 291, 376, 540. And so and he there just he sort stayed. of stayed this natural progression.
1: All, yeah, and there he stayed all the way up until last year when he just didn't have as many plate appearances. Yeah. You know?
2: Yeah, in 2004, let's look at the splits in 2004, because I'm sh- there's probably a bad month in there. Uh, 2004, um, he played as a first baseman for a number of games. 13 That's games, really he was bad. a first baseman. Um, he got His first call-up was May. Um, he did okay there. He didn't get on base a lot, kind of an Ian Desmond-like month with a 299 on base percentage with a high slugging percentage. But in June, he fell off a cliff and he had 213, 245,
1: 383. Uh, fell off so, a cliff, that would explain the knee problem. I mean, what,
2: <laughs> what if the Phillies, you know, after that June, that one month where he didn't do too well in his second season, what if they just, you know, sent Chase Utley back down to the minors, never to return? <laughs> I mean, you know, where would their would fortune he be? He wandering be? the desert. I mean, he would be in the same place now, but his where would knees the Phillies be better be? off?
0: Yeah. Uh I mean Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> Actually, now that you mention it, he has almost two hundred innings at first base. Uh, yeah, how did that wow. help?
1: Ha- <laughs> you know you know what? It was probably it was probably a Steve Lombardozzi situation where it's just like, Hey, we got somebody
0: hurt, guess where you're playing today. <laughs> he had fourteen innings in two thousand
2: eight. Well what wow, I crazy. don't <laughs> I don't even remember that just that's, that's
1: amazing. That was crazy, dude. Yeah. That was crazy. I'm sorry.
2: I can't even imagine Chase Utley at first base. I can't see it in my head. Uh-uh. Somehow it happened.
1: That's yeah, weird. Well, okay. Yeah. I feel like the uh, I feel like the citizens of Natstown crew has a collective blown mind right now. Yeah, we do. Right. You're correct <laughs> on that one.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's just. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what to say anymore. I just I'm stuck with Chase Utley <laughs> at first. Blown, Chase Utley <laughs>
1: totally at first base you wrong.
2: Yeah, we're trying wow. to find you know comps for Ian Desmond and guys. I mean, you know, I, if you look at yeah. any player, any player in the history of baseball, they had a bad month. it is it, yeah. Bad, a bad twenty-nine games for for Danny Espinosa. I mean, he can come out of this. He can get back to being who he is.
1: I mean, we know yeah. who he. Is. We saw it last I, year. And, you know, just playing double advocate here, and this is something that I've thought of a couple times um, with Danny Espinoza. He, you know, if he gets back to being who he is, and all hope he does, but who Danny Espinoza is is, and the best the best year he had so far was last year, and that was his rookie year, was two thirty six. Three, twenty-three, four, fourteen. Over the course of one hundred fifty-eight
2: games. Right, and that's, that goes back to my people probably think I'm schizophrenic when they listen to this. I'm talking about, you know, we need to, you know, have Lombardozzi as our two hitter in our second baseman, and I, I'm talking up Espinoza's sophomore slump now and saying it's just a slump, but I believe both things because who Danny Espinoza is is basically the same hitter as who Ian Desmond is,
1: as who Right, Robert no, I is. totally agree.
2: And you only need I
1: mean, a
2: couple of those yeah. guys. And, you know, having that guy at the top of the order that, you know, you have a guy, let's just, say, let's just say it ends up being not Span, not even Michael Bourne. Let's just say it's Yuri Perez. We're now in 2014, 2015. And it's Yuri Perez at the top of the order. Now, he gets, on, he, he gets walked. He leads off the game with a walk. He steals second. And you have Danny Espinosa at the plate, or Ian Desmond. I mean, you're probably going to see a strikeout, and the guy's mm. going to stand there at second, you know. But if you, get, you know, you get, you think back to the good Mets teams of, you know, the well of 2006, He's the done. good Mets teams, when they had Jose <laughs> Reyes would would lead off lead off a game, he'd walk, okay. Then Castillo would come up. Uh, he, he knew on the, the first or second pitch, he'd just stand there and take one or two pitches. Reyes would take off, make it a second. He'd lay down a bunt. Reyes is on third. David Wright comes up, sack fly. You, you instantly, they have a run. And they just sort of manufacture it there. And that's good teams can manufacture runs when they need it. And starting uh-huh. off a game with a run is better than starting off it with no runs. Now, I mean, obviously... A home run is the best outcome of any at bat. So when yeah. I talk about, you know, sacrificing on purpose, it just David Wright's a good enough hitter where he can go the other way. And there were a number of times when Reyes was on third, teams would become so conscious of that sacrifice fly, they'd end up giving up a single. Mm-hmm. But they just went to pitch David Wright away, away, away,
1: and he'd just go with the pitch and just
2: bloop it over the, uh, go the other way. Yeah.
1: The other way. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's what good hitters do, you know. It's manu- like you said, manufacturing a run. That's one thing that nationals can't do right now is manufacture a run when they need it. I
2: mean,
3: right now,
1: you know, we have strugg- we- we struggle to just score runs. That's yeah, how are we doing on we-
2: time here? Uh,
0: we're at an hour and a half, right about. Okay, well, let me go ahead and look this up then. Yeah. Well, um, um, Let's see. Uh, how long is it going to take you to look it up?
2: Uh, once I figure out where I'm going, it won't take long. Okay.
0: Uh, I went to the wrong
2: area. Um, what
3: are you looking up?
2: <laughs> it is the, um, they have it on baseball reference. They have situational hitting stats. Hmm. There it is. Pinch hitting, home run, situational hitting. Um, the Nationals, I don't like the productive, ad- but going, um, with less than two outs, runner on third, the Nationals in the NL scored that runner Forty percent of the time, the league average so far this year is forty-eight percent. So they're eight percent below the league average. They've had uh, they've had fifty-eight chances and converted on twenty-three of them. Um, with no outs and a runner on second, they have advanced that runner. The Nationals have advanced that runner fifty-one percent of the time. League average is fifty-four, so they're doing better there. Um, but they are not. They uh There used to be other stats they had. They probably make you pay for those now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know they. It's just. It, it's just you know you're looking at it and they're well they're eight percent below league average with scoring the runner from, advancing a runner from third with less than two outs. And that's not really, you know, if they can move that up, if they move that up by that 8%, and we take that and we calculate 58 times 0.48, that's 28 runs, let's say. Uh, So that adds 28 minus 23. That adds five runs to what the nationals have um coming into the today coming into today the nationals got uh, the nationals have and we'll eventually get back to the right page the nationals have scored they have scored a hundred and two runs in a uh, in 30 games, so we add, so we give them 107, divided by 30, and that increases it to 3.57, 3.5, 3.5, runs a game, which would then, which makes them fairly even with Miami, so it's it at 3.40 right now, so you're increasing that by, about a uh two tenths of a run a game.
3: Mm.
2: Which sounds fairly significant. By just increasing the amount of times they get that runner in from third, but it's from situational hitting.
1: Yeah. We'll talk about some situational hitting. Rick and Keel just went deep.
2: Oh that 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 does help.
1: <laughs> that was uh that was he wanted to put an extra run on the board in that situation, so he did.
2: Well, he did advance the runner. I mean, the home run will advance the runner.
1: The home run did advance the runner himself.
2: Yes. I mean, that. That that's basically, you know, I think, you know, when you're talking about advancing the runner or moving the runner over, being better than nothing, people sort of assume that somehow you're arguing that advancing the runner is better than anything else. But, it, you know, it's clearly what you're saying, advancing the runner is better than nothing. <laughs> It's better than having yeah. an out that it, like a pop up or a strikeout or a shallow fly
1: ball. Or, no, or I agree because you, you, you hear all the time. You know the pro- productive outs, and people are like, "Well, they're still outs." It's like, "Yes, yes, they are still outs." But if you got a guy on second base and you you swing at a at a at a ball that's hit to the right side of the infield, and that runner is able to advance to third base, and now there's one out. Suddenly, you have a chance to score. I mean, you get a sack fly and you do score. I mean, those are productive outs. And, I mean, that's situational hitting.
2: Yeah, I right. mean,
3: it's if better. If you're scoring than...
1: runs, you're manufacturing a run. And that's yeah. just something you need to be
2: able to do. It's just something that, that, you know, I think when you argue it, people are so used to the arguing of, like, guys like Tim McCarver who actually argue that it could be better than a hit. When it's clearly not better than a hit, when a hit is the best outcome you know but that's what, true you're looking at the worst outcome is not moving the runner over the best that's outcome boring. is hitting a home run then there's all this stuff in the middle
1: yeah there's, <laughs> and, a, there's a lot in the middle <laughs> yeah and, and and it could be things, loaded you could draw a walk
2: i mean one of the things that's in the middle is is advancing the runner while making an out and yeah. that's you know that's a good thing
1: I'd, you know, I'd rather have a, a runner advance on and out than just not have anything go on, you know? I think the most frustrating thing in the game is when, you know, you got a guy who goes out there and he, he's got a guy on second base and all, and you know, there's no outs. And then we've seen this happen a bunch with the Nationals where there's a guy on second base, no outs, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. You get nothing out of it. You know, you don't even advance the runner once. So it's, Uh, Desmond on second base, right? Leading off the game. Suddenly a guy comes up behind him, flies out deep to center field, and Desmond advances to third base. Then you got another guy who, you know, Brian Zimmerman, for example, who comes up and he gets a sack fly and an RBI runs scores. Suddenly you're in the lead. I mean, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You know, I just have to see one get put on the board. I don't care how they get there. If we get six grand plans in a game, that would be awesome. But, you know, when you win a game 1-0 and it's scored on, and we've seen this a couple of times with the Nationals this year, where all the runs we've scored in a game, and there's been times it has been three of them, three, four runs in a game, all of them have been scored on non-RBI hits.
2: Well, the Nationals aren't a team like the Texas Rangers who, if they miss an opportunity, you know, swinging from their heels with the bases loaded, at the very next inning they're going to load the bases again and hit the grand slam. They need to take their opportunities. They need to take their, their, their runs where, when they can get them. But they're just not a team that's going to score a lot of runs. And, like, it moves, just adding those five runs, move their runs per game average up by an entire, you know, two-tenths. If you would have worked that into a Pythagorean theorem, I don't know how many more wins you'd give the Nationals. It may be one. It may be two. I mean, who knows when those runs would have come. If you it take all the, the one-run. Run, one-run games okay. they've played, and you spread those runs out over the, those games, maybe you even give the Nationals you know, five more wins.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, yeah. the Pyth- Pythagorean is actually pretty generous to us right now. Um... So I mean, yeah, that that little bit of a difference. I mean, especially I mean, you bring up the one-run games. That's uh, that could make a huge difference. I mean, how many one-run games have we lost so far this season?
2: I mean, the Nationals in one-run games right now they are they are um, nine and six in one-run games. Uh, the the Nationals have two and two in blowouts, which are games decided by four runs or more. So they've played four blowouts, and they've played. 15 one run games. <laughs> so, you That's see that. The, and they've played six extra inning games.
1: Mm-hmm. We played a lot of extra inning games for this early in the season, just in my opinion. I mean, you know, you're going to get that, but it just seems like there's been a lot this year.
3: I'm not complaining
1: because we, we've done well, you know, in those extra inning games. And,
2: of the national, and, 30 games, 15 of them. I don't even have to pull up the calculator for that. Fifteen of them have been one-run games. That's 50% <laughs> yeah. of the games have been decided by one-run. That, that seems like a very high percentage to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, with that, as that's much, the luck and our pitching staff, you
0: know? And one-run games tend to even out over the course of a yeah. season. So, I mean, even if, even if that continues, that half of our games are that, I mean, you're only looking at, uh, statistically, really half of those, half of that fifty percent being wins.
2: Well, let's look that up.
0: Because um, mm-hmm. I remember the the one year that sticks out for one run games the most was actually two thousand five. Um, the first half of the season we were phenomenal in one run games, um, and then the second half, when it uh, it finally came back down to earth, is when we dropped back down to uh, right at five hundred to end the season. <clears throat>
2: Right, well let's look at this here. One run games. Last year in one run games, let's see, who won the World Series last year? The,
1: the Cardinals. Cardinals.
2: Yes, they were 26 and 23 in one run games. Uh, they lost the division, the Milwaukee Brewers, were 30 and 18 in wow. one run games. So, wow. it's, it even the Arizona Diamondbacks were 28 and 16 in one run games. The San Francisco Giants were 33 and 22. 55 one-run games over the course of the season. Of course, the Nationals aren't pace to play 81 one-run games. What were the
1: Nationals in one-run games in 2011?
2: They were 27 and 27.
1: Wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the Phillies, wow. the division winners, were 28 and 19. So you see that, wow. that that the teams that are at the top of the division, I mean, in the AL it was a bit different. The Texas Rangers were 19 and 24. And Texas the New Rangers York, New York Yankees. Pretty- the New York Yankees were 21 and 24, so they were both below 500. The Tigers were 29 and 17, but every division winner in the NL was uh, well above 500 in one-run games. Mm. So the NL—it's a different brand of baseball.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and the—I mean, everybody has come to realize that you know the AL is definitely more offensive-oriented division, or I'm sorry, league, than the NL.
2: I'm just over to do like, toy, by the way. Um <laughs> with uh with MLB.com, their standings. You can do uh as of dates. So as of this date last year, the Washington Nationals were four and three in one run
1: games. Huh, interesting. Yes. They must have done this for the new pitching awesomeness that has become.
2: Yes. Yes. Uh because you know I mean you just compare the last year's pitching staff to this year's pitching staff, it's night and day. There's just no, it's just so different. It's just, last year they opened the season, the staff was Levon, Lannan, Zimmerman, Marquise, Gorzolani. I mean, this year they opened with strausberg Gio, Zimmerman, Jackson, Detweiler, that, they have one guy, one, from that starting rotation that's still in the rotation. The other guy that started the season in the rotation is in the bullpen that's still on the team. Lannon in the minor leagues. That's, that's a huge, in one year time, that's a big makeover.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we can't really argue with that at all. Um, I'm going to shift gears on you guys just a little bit. Uh, let's run over the uh, the upcoming week that we have. Um, actually, I had this schedule open. Where did it go? Aha. Okay, so um, we leave from Pittsburgh, we head over to Cincinnati. Uh, probable pictures that I'm seeing right now uh, we have Geo against Leak uh, tomorrow night. Um, Leak, ooh. Uh, not doing well this season. 0 and four, five nine seven ERA. Uh, looked okay against the Pirates last, and uh, his last time out, seven innings, three runs. But obviously, uh, all
2: the runs were on homers.
0: Ooh, they were.
2: Yikes. Yes, I think
0: that
2: you know you look at that ballpark, and I think um, I think Bryce Harper's either going to strike out a lot, or he's going to go into the river because he's going to look out there and he's going to say, I want a best Adam Dunn's home run.
0: He <laughs> just Adam needs that one off his back.
2: Yeah, Adam Dunn has the longest home run in that park's history at 540 the, the
1: Ohio River, found on a piece of driftwood.
2: Yes, yes. So I, mean, and you, know, I you, think, know you
1: know what's interesting about yeah. that, though? Is that the Ohio River is the state line.
2: It is, but so, it's also mm-hmm. the same river that the Nationals it, are playing at right now.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because, I mean, if you think about that, Adam Dunn hit that ball into another state.
0: He did. That's <laughs> true. Depends that's, on how far away Yeah, wow.
1: It's got to be some kind of MLB record. I mean, come on. What other guys has hit, hit a baseball into another Actually,
2: state? Actually, Alfonso Soriano did it, too.
1: Did he? he
2: had, one out of that park into another state. That's crazy. Yeah. That I think you crazy. There's very few ballparks where you can do it.
1: Yeah. I know I know in um California in uh San Francisco they have the what is it, the the bay that they can hit it into?
0: McCovey yeah. Cove.
1: The Cove. that's what it's called.
0: Yes, McCovey Cove.
1: And uh, McCovey Cove. And I know there's a certain number of guys who hit it out there, aren't there? Oh, bonds yeah, has hit plenty
0: out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see. We've got Geo going tomorrow night. Um, then we got
1: Jordan up against Matt Latos on Saturday.
2: Yes, Matt, Matt Latos has been struggling as well, but he <clears> did <throat> he did have a dominant start over the Pirates last time, striking out eleven in six innings.
1: Was that so, at? Um, was that at uh PNC Park or was that at uh Great American? Just don't out
2: really curiosity. Mm-hmm. don't really know. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't uh, say. But he, he uh you know, he may be getting it back together, but you know, Jordan Zimmerman is a good pitcher as well, so yeah. you can't really say that the Nationals have a disadvantage in any pitching matchup.
1: No. Jordan Zimmerman hasn't really looked sharp uh in his last two games in my opinion. Uh, last game against the Phillies, he uh, he gave up a lot of hits. Um, I mean, you know, you guys are going to have nights like that. So I think he's looking for a good game to come back to.
0: Yeah, I, I think we'd all like to see that. Uh, going on to Sunday, we've got Jackson against Arroyo. Um, let's see. Bronson Arroyo
1: always seemed to own us.
0: <laughs> well, that's what it says right here. Arroyo was brilliant versus the Nats on April 14th. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I know. I'm looking at that, too. But he always seems to own us. You know, maybe it's because I make fun of his album. I don't know. But, I mean, come on. The guy has an album.
0: we got to get up. him sometime, right? Yeah, yeah we got to get him I think him they, they, they've gotten him before. They can
2: get him again. And
1: they I mean, just seem to be He's having a good year, too. I mean, he's you know, a 275-year. It's not like he's being a slouch, so.
2: He yeah. always starts off well. It's, it's usually around, you know, end of July, yeah, August. When he, when he start,
1: levels back down to his career, four and a half ERA, something yeah. like
2: that. Yeah, he always starts off well. Uh, and then, you know, then the Nationals come home to play the Padres and Pirates and Orioles. And,
0: and the Pir- yeah. the Padres and Pirates are actually a weird two-game series, two of them in a row. guess Yes. The pitchers that I have, uh, I hear Stauffer may be back in time for this series uh, for the Padres. Uh, it's also looking like Anthony Bass will be the other guy, um, or at least will be one of them, and then perhaps Stoffer if not somebody else. Uh, the two for the Pirates are looking to be McDonald and Morton, um, and then obviously we'll start with Ross on Monday and then work our way through uh, the three aces uh, through the middle yeah. of the week.
2: <clears throat> yeah, that, that just, I mean... Let's see, it goes... De- I mean, so uh, the Pirates won't get to see Strasburg a second time in a couple weeks. <laughs> they probably were, you know, having night... I mean, they should do something just to make that happen, just so they have nightmares about it. <laughs> like the A's. <laughs> the A's, in the beginning of the season, they saw Felix Hernandez like four times. A couple
1: of times, yeah. No, they got screwed. <laughs> Felix Hernandez is not a pitcher you want to run into a lot, especially early in the season. That's like confidence killer right there, isn't it? yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, well, the National just won. They took the last game.
1: Yeah, the they did. Salvaged. A, the last It was a game great game. Can yeah. I just say that that was an awesome game because I mean, Strasburg had 13 strikeouts. Yeah. 13 strikeouts.
2: That's that's pretty good. So in,
1: in two in two games against, I, I think that's only a second start against the, the yes.
2: Pirates,
1: right? Yes, it they is. Two games. That's 27 that's, strikeouts. That's 20. 27 strikeouts. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> two starts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, there's, there's just something, something not right about that.
2: <laughs> you know, I don't know the, what it is, but I like it. <laughs> if Scherzer gets 25 starts this year, 25, and just continues the way he's going for those 25 starts, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> what a wow. guy that doesn't get, doesn't pitch 200 innings, doesn't pitch to the last uh, into the last game of the year. Could they give him the Cy Young Award?
0: The only reason I say no is because all of these awards are "What have you done for me lately?" It's yeah. who's the hottest at the end. I mean, especially with if there's anybody even remotely close. I mean, if he's going and he has a point seven ERA when he you know is shut down, they may consider it. But if he's at you know a two one a two two and there's somebody else that pitched the entire year. No, there's not a chance.
2: Well, I mean, he's he's at a 1. Uh, let's see, where is he right now? He Well, I mean, after tonight's start, it's probably even lower than what's going to pop up here. Um, oh, it went backwards here. Let's not go to that. Uh,
0: 164.
2: 164. That's
0: tonight.
2: Yes. Steven Strasburg yeah. is at 1. Uh, Gio Gonzalez is at 172. Gio Gonzalez actually leads Steven Strasburg in war. At 1.5 compared to 1.2, but Geo has a lower FIP, and that's the reason he's leading him. His lower FIP. I don't know how he's leading. He has a better FIP because oh, it's the K rate is 10.06, which probably for Strasbourg went up tonight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to figure. You're gonna. I mean, you know these guys in front of Strasbourg: Brandon Beachy, Jared. I mean Brandon Beachy, uh, Ted Lilly, um, Lance Lynn. Johnny Cueto, and Ryan Dempster, they're probably more likely to fall off than Steven Strasburg. Oh, definitely. But, again, Gio Gonzalez is a 1.78 FIP. <laughs> I mean, that's predicting yeah, that he's, he's yeah. right where
0: he's going to be. Yeah, and, I mean, it actually, you've uh, <laughs> proven quite the point there, is that Strasburg may be fighting with his own teammate.
2: <laughs> yeah,
3: I, that I
0: think that,
2: that that's... You know, if Str- Strasbourg would have to remark, Gio's going to pitch until the end of the year. People may look at back at Geo and say, well, this is really the ace of the team. Is He went all the way to the end of the year.
1: I agree with that, actually. You I know, mean, because, you know, Geo's Gio, essentially one of the veterans of the pitching staff. And, you know, he's pitched 200 innings before. And, I mean, he's doing really well this season so far. And let's hope he keeps it up. I mean, think, Listen,
2: Listen to know. the numbers. Let, just, the, here's a 10.06 K per nine. Has a 3.19 walk for nine. Now the walks were the thing he had to correct this year. He went from a 4.05 yeah. last year to a 3.19 so
0: far this year. And what's it's, his career for walks?
2: His career for walks is 4.36. Okay. Walk for nine. I mean, he's. I mean, his ground ball rate is right about where it normally is, 48.3. His career 47.6. I mean, his oh, year okay. is it is markedly low, but it, I mean, it's everything. Just sort of says this Geo guy that you see now, sort of who Geo is now.
1: Well, I mean, you know what I like about it. I mean, he's not under the radar to us, but I feel like he is for the rest of the like you know the league. You know, because they're not really thinking about him. They're thinking about Strasburg or you know Roy Halliday. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel like not a lot of people are thinking about Gio Gonzalez. They're just saying, "Oh, you know, he's pitching pretty well on that team." Cool. And I mean, if he keeps up what he's doing now, by the end of the year, he could very well be one of the best pitchers in the game. Yeah,
0: well, he's definitely going to make a name for himself. Um, I mean, the last yeah, couple of years pitching in the Coliseum, they you tend to get the reputation not as much as you do in say San Diego or anything like that, but that the ballpark kind of helps you or. And I yeah. mean granted you're also pitching for the A's, so aside from people that are baseball fans, you're you're not a name unless you are a absolute superstar out there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, if he keeps up what and, you know, if he keeps up what he's been doing, uh, like everybody was talking about, will he succeed in the new ballpark that's not Oko Coliseum? And I mean, he doesn't seem to be struggling outside of the Coliseum. And you know, and that's I mean, I, I like that because one, it's like you know, were you really worried about it in the first place?
0: <laughs> well, I always I was thought people was, that was a that was a terrible argument. I mean you Yeah, no, it, it is. Since, it is. I mean,
1: because you're you're essentially saying the only reason he ever struck anybody out was because the lights were shining in a guy's face.
0: Well, not even that. I mean the last <laughs> you look at the last uh three years as far as ballpark factor, um, Oakland is like three spots behind Nats Park as far as being more favorable to pitchers. Or three spots more favorable, however you want to phrase that, than Nats Park. I mean, they're they're more or less playing the same as far as pitchers go. Mm. I I, I don't wonder. I
1: mean, you know, because for the longest time I heard everybody talking about that Nationals Park being, as they referred to it as being a fair park. And I I kind of agree to that because it doesn't seem like it's impossible to get a lot of offense going there. But there's usually a lot. of... It seems like there's a lot of well pitched games there, you know. And um, obviously, Okc's game is the pitchers' park. I'm, I, I'm, I would think that what Nationals Park is is more of a, it's a fair park leaning toward the pitchers. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just, I, I think you know, if somebody's worried about a guy coming to Nationals Park and not being able to pitch well, I mean. I think they're thinking about our old rota- rotation a little bit too
2: much. feel <laughs> <laughs> like a Gio Gonzalez's curveball. I mean, that thing is unhittable. Oh, it's it f-
1: is. filthy. It's, 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 it's <laughs> a, when that thing is on. Oh my god, like, it's yeah. just crazy to watch. You know, yeah, it's well, just, it breaks and it's just—it's so precise and crisp and just—I mean, it's just beautiful. You know, <laughs> it's like you know, it's, it's like a freaking guy on mushrooms trying to explain what it's like to get a bag of potato chips. It's just beautiful.
0: <laughs> that's, no, I think, I that think is the description of the evening right there. Yes. <laughs> uh,
2: I think we should end on that high note here.
0: No <laughs> oh, pun intended. I've got two more things that I want to run by you guys real quick. First off is I, I pull up uh, nationals.com uh, just before we started and the, the first story on the headline section on the right is Moore has his manager's confidence in left.
1: Yeah, I saw that. And then against and, a righty he's it, benched. Yeah, no, and, and it's it's kinda weird. I think I think that article is just you know, it, it's what that article does I think explains more about Davey than it does about anything else. Because Davey Johnson, you know, I know you've said it, Dave, and I've heard you yeah. mention it too, TJ. That Davy Johnson will stick behind his guy no matter what. Like, I mean, you could have the worst hitter, the worst, hitter. you can have Christian Guzman out there, and he'd be like, he's my <laughs> guy. He's doing well right now. I think he's doing just fine. You know, and you gotta love that because that makes your guys on the, on the squad just feel good about themselves, knowing that you know no matter how poorly you're doing in front of everybody else, he's gonna say he's doing just fine. He's doing just what I want him to do. Just need to keep at it. You know. I mean, you know, it's no wonder he's one of the greater managers because his team
0: loves him, (laughs) you know? No, I I can agree with you there. Um, The other thing, uh, ESPN had it up, and it's actually uh, about the Marlins Park and uh, Giancarlo Stanton, um, about how, granted, they've played, what, 10 games there, 12 games there? Uh, Yeah. How he's having somewhat of a power outage and I was just kind of curious what are your guys' thoughts on the whole adjusting the ballpark in the offseason so that your team plays better there
1: you mean like the Mets and the Padres are thinking about doing? oh well, well the I Mets mean, have
0: already done it once oh yeah yeah but well, the, Mets the, the Padres are talking about doing it
2: now. yeah the Padres but you know you look at the Mets and you know before the Mets adjusted the ballpark you saw they had some some decent hitters, mm-hmm. and the thought was it's yeah, going to no, adversely totally affect their agree. pitchers more than it helps their hitters. But I mean Shea Stadium was a pitcher's park. I mean they went mm-hmm. from from a pitcher's park to this monstrosity of some sort of we want to play well,
1: in Ebbets Field. This sort of- know, <laughs> the sort of the thing about the thing about City Field is it's just weird, you know. Yeah, there's some some of the angles in the outfield, like back in 2009 when it opened, It was just weird, you know. There's uh, over by one of the fair poles, you just had uh, like this weird box sort of thing, and just dip down and then raise right back up.
2: Yeah, it was.
3: Uh, Do you remember what
1: I'm talking about?
2: I know what you're talking.
1: about. Yeah, you could just squirt a home run by just barely, or you know, hit it right in front of that. And then they Uh, had the upper box and and the the upper
2: deck (laughs) that hung over the wall. Yeah. is that so the, it was a double if it hit off, off of the upper deck,
0: yeah. which was just a, so a they weird sort park.
1: Of,
2: I think what they did more with that park is they just sort of corrected its 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 quirks, mm-hmm. just sort of made it more normal. It, it, that, it, it's it's that, actually dimensions of Shea Stadium now, so it's still a pitchers park. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> just and less so, so the whatever the heck they made it before.
1: Sure, that that park was the definition of a quirky park. Just all around, and now it, it seems to be more like more normal now. And with their improvements that they make. to it, you know, you mentioned before, TJ. If you recall, we were talking about Dylan G, and I was joking about how he always owns us. Mm-hmm. And um, you made the, the comment, like, did any? This was before the season started, and you said, did anybody benefit more from City Field than Dylan G? And then you showed me the stats, and I was like, wow, yeah, no, they're absurd. <laughs> And and you look at it now. I don't know. You know, you got to look this up while we're talking about it. But I know Dylan G is uh, not doing as well. I mean, he's not necessarily doing poorly. I need to look it up. That's what I'm doing. Okay, let's see. Right now, he has a 4.78 ERA.
0: Yes, yeah, so um, and it's per- a six and- at home.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I, <I'm, laughs> I mean, you know, it's still not terrible. And I
0: don't, let's see splits it's uh oh, it's a six at home and batters at home against him are hitting three twenty three eighty three five sixty two opposed to two sixty three two ninety three two ninety one at uh away in yeah, roughly the yeah. same amount of innings so
1: so it looks yeah it looks like he's actually now not benefiting from city field like he did last year yeah and i mean that's, yeah. that's kind of cosmically entertaining because it's almost like uh, you know, it, it's almost like the Mets found Dylan G's kryptonite on <laughs> accident.
2: <laughs> 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 I think that that you know, it inversely affected Dylan G. But they got Johan Santana back. R. A. Dickey's a guy that when his knuckleball works, he's not giving up a lot of home runs. So it didn't really inversely affect their pitching staff, but it did benefit their lineup. Now you look at the Padres; they're not going to benefit their lineup by moving in the fences at all their lineup stinks. True. <laughs> and, <laughs>
1: the Padres the have nothing. They're I only going to
2: inversely affect their pitchers. I mean, you think about the 2007 Nationals, when they moved into Nationals Park in 2008, it really only inversely in, in, impacted the pitching staff. You took a terrible pitching staff out of an absurd pitcher's park and moved them into a fair ballpark, and they got lit up.
1: Yep. Yeah, that would explain all the losses. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, blaming, I'm blaming those two seasons on Nationals Park. It's that you took
2: a bad team out of a absurd low a park that's going to cause low scores and keep the team in the games, and you moved them into a fair park that really exposed just how bad the pitching was.
1: Jeez, can you imagine what's going to happen if uh, they move the fences at Petco next year? Oh, and they keep everybody who's the
2: same.
0: The, the, oh, man.
2: The Twins won't have to be talk about the number one draft pick that year. No. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, do you guys have any issues with them moving the walls at all? Like, I mean, I, don't I can have understand, like, in a new it. park, like, City, even if taking a year or two, and if the Marlins wanted to take a couple of years, see how it played, and thought, you know, this isn't playing how we thought it would, and kind of adjust to, to normalize. But, I mean, Petco's you know, been around my... for a while. <laughs>
1: Well, you know I mean, what I my think, honest opinion of that is? Uh-huh. I think they can only benefit. And that's because right now there's nobody who can, who can I mean, really hit. You know, like there's no slugger who thinks, oh, I'd love to, to go, go, go to San Diego. Sure. Because Petco is going to just kill any fun they might normally have. Well, I mean, yeah. they
2: mentioned, whenever they talk about Petco, they mentioned that, that Brian Giles um, couldn't, you know, when he went to, to, as a free agent, he you know, he signed there around the time Petco was built. And, you know, they, they told him, well, you'll really help us out. And, you know, he, he, you know, his last, uh, his last season in Pittsburgh, he had 16 home runs. 20 home runs. Well, in 2000, oh, 2003, he was traded to the Pondres. So they didn't really sign it. He was traded. He had 20 total home runs in 2003. Before they had 38, 37, 35, 39. His full seasons in, uh, as a Padre, he had 23, 15, 14, 13, 12. He was also getting older at the time, but that's a pretty big drop off in home run power. But his slugging percentage dropped off as well, so, you know, maybe he just wasn't as powerful of a hitter. Um, but since then, they've had, they did they have had trouble getting free agents, but they also, haven't spent a lot of money, mm. so it's sort of you gotta say, which one is it? Are they not buy, just kidding? The free agents or they? Can they not attract them? Because you look at the team right now, and their win loss record is probably more of a uh, burden to attracting free agents than the park they play in.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Well, yeah, I mean obviously, I
1: mean you gotta look at the record, but uh, just it seems like if you're if you're a guy who who likes to hit. I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. Where you know, a bigger field doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to hit. It just means, I mean, if anything, there's more space for a ball to land. But I mean, you know, there's guys who like to go up there and hit home runs. I
2: mean, here, Adrian Gonzalez, 2009, had 40 home runs, playing <laughs> yeah. in Petco Park. He had 31 the next year, first year in Boston, 27. He has two on the year so far. So his power going into what was thought of as a great park for him. Has gone down.
1: Yeah, well, there's a little thing that seems to happen when you're a member of the Red Sox, where you just degrade.
2: Well, you know, he had a pretty good year last year.
1: He was, only,
0: you know, an MVP
1: candidate. I'm, I'm just, I'm just talking smack. Let me do it now.
0: <laughs> uh, to be fair, the Adrian Gonzalez, uh, 2009, 80 games away, 28 home runs, 79 games at home, 12 home runs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I mean, splits, but he hit two forty four at home as opposed to three oh six away.
2: Think about like a guy like Adam Dunn when he hit a home run. He didn't hit wall scrapers. It was it would have been gone in any park in the country. Yep. I mean, just when guys that are sluggers when they hit home runs, it doesn't matter what park they're in. There's no park that has. That, that's, that's 420 down the line.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's true. That's definitely true. <clears throat> I'd like to see the spray chart on it and just see, like the stuff they did when they said that Prince Fielder was going to be, you know, the worst player of all time now that he was going to the Tigers, um, that none of his home runs would go out and everything. I'd just like to see the spray chart. it <laughs> be interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, well, we are running long, uh, so we're going to run through some final thoughts. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Um,
1: well, looking forward to the next couple series. Uh, hopefully we can win a few games on the road, something we've been struggling with a little bit these last couple weeks. Uh, I think we can, I have confidence, so looking forward to it.
0: Dave, you're up.
2: Yeah, well, um, you know, what you want to do on the road is you want to go 500, uh the nationals were 6 and 6 coming into this road trip they've lost two one run 1-1 one, one, so they're now 7 and 8 um now they got to take uh two of 3 in cincinnati they got geo zimmerman and uh jackson i think they can uh take those two of 3 against cincinnati and get home 500 on the road get back home and win some more series at home
0: yeah, if there's, a, if there's a spot to kind of get our bats going, especially the uh, getting the old slugging percentage up, I think Cincinnati can help that some. Um, <clears throat> well, that's all I got. Um, yeah. I uh, want to thank Creative House for the assistance with our logo. You can find them at Creative House SA on Twitter. Thank the Isotopes for our intro and our outro. You can follow them at The Isotopes. You can follow uh, Matt at Sodapop6548. You can follow Dave at David Huzzard. You can follow me at Sultan underscore of underscore stat. You can follow the show at Sits of Natstown. And uh, that, Nat's fans, is your Citizens of Natstown for Thursday, May 10th. Uh, until next week, we are Ghost.
3: That's town. Da, 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 da. <laughs>